Hello, everybody. Welcome to Reaction Shots for October. I am joined by marvelous people this month uh, for the best month probably of the year, uh, October. Uh, I'm joined by favorite of the series here, Matthew Walden. Just some guy, you know. Uh, <laughs> hey there. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> Anytime. Um, no, of course, I... You told me to just say some guy, but I got a plug better than speed <laughs> podcast at least. Um, and then my old college buddy, Mark, I don't know. Yeah. Well, you're my screen. So Mark right below me here. Uh, we met at film school back in Chicago. Um, and apparently you saw one of my bands playing. I had short hair <laughs> <laughs> long, long, long ago. Um, but you're a, a, a lecturer, a professor, an archivist, a writer, and you run a thing that I love called Wayward Cinema, which is kind of an art house film gathering thingamabob that used to happen in the before times. <laughs> BC before COVID. Before COVID, yeah. I uh, I remember some favorites of mine that fit in with today's topic of folk horror. You introduced me. I watched in somebody's yard the original Wicker Man, and I fell in love. That movie is amazing incredible um, watching it outdoors is the way to go yeah it that's was, an outdoorsy movie it yeah. was wonderful sitting on the grass watching people get burned up <laughs> awesome <laughs> spoiler alert for 1970s movie um yeah <laughs> you've had plenty of time to see it <laughs> yeah 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 um but yeah uh, also the original Suspiria. I was just listening to the soundtrack to the new Suspiria while I was preparing the notes for this episode. A um, couple people mentioned Suspiria. Actually, I wonder if that counts as folk horror. Kind of, yeah. You're in. You're in with a coven of witches. It's got way Mom different vibes. <laughs> way different vibes. Uh, but anyway, before we get, hop into folk horror, oh yeah, and Michael Huber, of course, consummate gentlemen beautiful co-host here Sup. your hair is getting so long dude i'm dude check your review i'm coming for you <laughs> it's a good it's a good look you look like a action star you do you Thank know what you. i mean you look like the the third movie in of was, an action I was, star I was, I was literally, to rock the tank top yeah i was literally just gonna say you're like top. you're like uh tom cruise mission impossible 2 right now like when he's got the long hair <laughs> <laughs> um shout out to the mr sunday movies uh caravan of garbage garbage series they just watched the original three mission impossibles and it was it was a fun time oh. anyway before one and, three, 10 out of 10. one and three very good two not good i i um, want to rewatch it though it's been too long this is already going to be a long podcast i could tell <laughs> uh, <laughs> um oh yeah but before we get into the um, topic at hand i usually like to just ask you if you've seen anything recently that you liked uh, matthew have you seen anything recently that you liked off yes. topic stuff because we'll get into all the on topic stuff yes i have um i rewatched a movie i did not like in high school and i ended up liking it this time which is really fun when you get a little bit older mm -hmm. and you can reappraise something yeah um it was tetsuo uh iron man oh yeah uh tsukamoto when i saw that uh i saw that when i was 17 and it was it was a little too much for me it was a little too shocking I was like, I don't know. I, I can't go this deep. <laughs> <laughs> this is beyond my boundaries. And in high school, I like some 
weird shit, but that was that was too far for me. I was going to say, I'm surprised to hear you say that. I didn't know you had boundaries. Had limits, yeah. I've got a few. You have to go far out to find them. But, Screws uh, they, through the eyes and stuff, that's the line? Yeah, there's this box set of the director's work that just came out, and I'm a sucker for a good box set. So I picked it up and rewatched Tetsuo Iron Man, and it's incredible. I don't know if the culture's in a different place or I'm in a different place, but it <laughs> hit the right way right now. It's like a racer head on a lot of meth. It's just completely uh. revved up. <laughs> it's got a cool Cronenberg mixed with technology type yeah, feeling yeah, where like yeah. the flesh is blending with steel and iron and it's really hyperkinetic so quickly edited and it has a great sense of humor it's really funny and then when i was younger i just got creeped out by it and grossed out by it and i didn't see the humor in it now that i like caught that wave it was really fun and enjoyable and zany and creative <laughs> so i give it a second shot have any of the three of you seen it i've seen it i watched Did it you in, like it uh, yeah, I, I watched it in college, um, and so I was in my middle period of uh, turning hard, being jaded, go- lo- losing <laughs> my soft, gooey core, and, and just becoming a shell, a husk of a human being. So, yeah, I, w- I was in a transformation just like Tetsuo went through in that movie. But yeah, it's mm. good. I uh, I was getting into like Ichi the Killer and Audition and stuff around that same time. Mm. So it was a it was a troubling <laughs> sequence of events to be sure. <laughs> That's like the black tar violent Japanese movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the real hard stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. Well, yeah, this time I really enjoyed it. So I'm going to see more from that director. And then I've been watching some TV shows, some spooky TV shows for the season. Been watching Ultra Q, which is a Japanese Twilight Zone style show. One huh. of the special effects guys from Godzilla, he had like a maybe a 30, 40 episode show called Ultra Q. It eventually evolved into Ultra Man, which is probably more popular yeah i've heard of that i feel like Mm -hmm. but this is more like the twilight zone with godzilla special effects and each episode has some kind of monster of the week but it's really fun and creepy and goofy in that like old school watch at a drive-in way uh so you know i think in halloween i've heard you talk about this huber before where you're like you gotta build up to the harder stuff later in the season yeah and sometimes if you have a significant other who doesn't really get into all the like super hardcore scary stuff you have the little like charlie browns it's the great pumpkin that you mix in (laughs) those kind of things so i've been watching ultra cute this japanese twilight zone and dark shadows which the old show of dark shadows the old soap opera yeah yeah and that's so much fun so that's been my menu lately. Uh, Huber, what have you liked recently? I warned you last time, Ian. Vampire Diaries. <laughs> the Vampire you you Diaries universe. <laughs> Vampire Diaries, the originals, and legacies. I'm not kidding around. This this has become one of my favorite franchises of all time. It sounds so lame it was on like cw or something you yeah, know? I, mean, yeah. I, was wondering. yeah. I buy it cw has got some secretly good the, stuff the 100 is... had a couple good seasons in there i heard Dude. it ended poorly the 100 it did end very poorly yes my mm. wife is upset it was her favorite show of all time until the final season actually the, the, the headline i saw was just the 100 pulls a game of thrones mm-hmm. and i was like yep. uh-oh <laughs> totally uh, I just really want to give a shout out to Vampire Diaries and the originals. It's amazing. The lore is incredible, and they use practical effects. And the lighting 
is so good. Like for a TV show, uh, uh, like a, I can't imagine the budget being crazy, but like they pull off the coolest shit, dude. Like these vampires are decapitating people. People are burning alive. Like it's just really cool. It deals with like, then you have the originals, which is like the, the original vampires that are like thousands of years old. Cool. And like the only there's like very specific ways you can kill them. They're immortal. Just a fun, fun time, dude. There's witches and werewolves. I love this franchise so much. The originals is a spinoff of that, and then Legacies is like in the future, the next generation. So it's like they're in. They're, they go to a uh, like a academy for like gifted people so there's like werewolves and witches and vampires like all at this school it's so amazing and like people from the previous series are like guest star on legacies like (laughs) you're kind of getting into this (laughs) dude i'm so obsessed with this whole franchise like found myself crying at some parts like dude the way it deals with death because some people go to like this the afterlife and it's like you pass on like it it hits hard and it's also really easy to binge watch all on netflix it's such an easy breezy show that has like depth and real stakes and like awesome effects real stakes Uh, that's it love it love it so much um i ask you did are, are they able to be in the sun? Because that's something that's driving me crazy with the evolution of the vampire yeah. genre. I'm, Dude, I'm sorry. Yeah, they so the witches, the witches okay. are the strongest beings in this universe. They're OP okay. as shit, dude. Like, if you're a vamp, they do the, they can do a spell where you're just like, you have a brain aneurysm and you can't even move because they just like mess with your, yeah. Legit, they give you a repeated brain aneurysm. So what they do is they make rings, they're, they're daylight rings, so only a witch can make a daylight ring. So it's like a rare artifact. So this. only a few select vampires yeah, can get those rings. Dude. You gotta have it in with a witch. That's dude, it's so sick. I love that. Are yeah, witches yeah. immortal? Witches are not immortal, but they're uh, so freaking strong, dude. They're so nuts. you got a trade-off. You, you, mm-hmm. I was trying to think. I, I was like, well, I want to be a vampire. And then I was like, well, maybe I want to be a witch. Yeah. But if you're yeah. not immortal, that's what I'm after. So Yeah. But dude, then there's some witches that are like, maybe messing with some immortality like some some like, anime body swapping shit like dude it gets crazy if i could body so swap good. you know i would mark have you liked anything lately well i mean a lot um i'm gonna stay on theme though with horror um i'm just also gonna i want to respond to what matthew said about getting people who are not into horror to watch horror because i had an interesting experience recently where my partner hadn't seen the original Candyman, and Ooh. you know the remake is going to come out who knows when right with, mm-hmm. with what's going yeah. on with the and um he was like terrified throughout the first like half of that movie he was like gripping me he was like why am we doing this he was covering his eyes and by the second half he was laughing out loud i was like that is <laughs> the best way to horror. you are terrified to death and then you are amused to death like mm-hmm. that is the way so that was a great that was a um i had already seen it as a kid and i love Candyman. i love Candyman too i think that one's in new orleans and it's like bonkers um but um also kind of on theme not exactly horror but cult is the vow i don't know if anyone's been watching the nixium documentary i watched the first couple episodes actually yeah i, I want to see that i want to see it i have to brace myself yeah i mean definitely i binged it i mean 
it's and it's not that you should not binge it. I already say that. Um, no, but like you know, the the like I, I love these cult docu series like Wild Wild Country. I'm sure you guys have all seen that, right? The Netflix yes. one that was out a few years ago. And I love that these cult docu series will take you from being like, no, this sounds really cool. Like this sounds really utopian, but like these people have found their bliss. Like yes, to them being like, oh no 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 no, 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 I'm not. I'm not like I love that it takes you from like straight up like I want to join to like trip like no way in fucking hell am I joining this. So yeah. I, I don't know. I'm loving it. so mixing. So it takes you through that, and it's interesting because it starts out kind of retrospectively. And it's got a lot of good footage because this documentary filmmaker was filming a bunch of like promotional content and stuff for the cult or the organization. Um, and then it turns into kind of a thriller and it's about this woman who was on Dynasty randomly trying to save, and she's also like British or, or, or like aristocracy. She's trying to save her daughter from the kind of grips of the cult leader, um, um, Keith Rainier. So it, it kind of is interesting switch to, and it kind of, anyway, so it's, it's a really fascinating cult docu-series I'd highly recommend. What's it called, The Vow? The Vow, the yeah. Vow. Yeah. The Vow. Yeah. Dude, I'm in. I'm so in. HBO's been crushing it lately. More awesome. yeah. HBO content. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. Uh, I've actually been watching a lot of HBO lately too. The third day, I'm just like all about right now, which is nice. what gave me the idea for this theme, folk horror, and of course my love for Wicker Man and and various other folk horror entries. Um, but also, I may destroy you. I'm halfway through. Um, Mark, I assume you've seen that. Have you seen oh, that it's one? Brilliant! It's incredible. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. It's difficult to watch. Um, I actually haven't watched an episode in maybe a week just because it's been so crazy with stuff going on. But like, man, it it's it normalizes a lot of cool stuff. It approaches things very honestly. Um, the characters will things will happen. There's a thing that happens to the main character, and I was like mad at her for not knowing it was bad and then the show turns that around in such an amazing way just like stuff that happens is so incredible that show i may destroy you hbo um, on a hard to watch scale from like <laughs> zero to ten how hard is it to watch well it's not it's not a, it's not hard to watch in a tattoo iron man sort of way it's more hard to watch in like uh, just kind of 2020 feelings. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. I heard a lot of people say they watched it and they had to relive some unpleasant stuff. That right. it's a great show, yeah. but it's going to kind of take you through the ringer a little bit. And right? and well, the thing that's so one of the best successes and why it's so hard to watch is because it endears you to the main characters and their experiences in such a way that even if you haven't suffered certain traumas like they are. Um, you go along with them and you experience their realizations and stuff along with them. And, and it makes you really sit in it with them. Um, in a, in a way that I, ha I don't think I've seen a show do before. And, uh, yeah, it, it's a really good show. Yeah. Um, it's a show that's very much about the kind of micro and macro ways that were in all many ways complicit in the culture of, rape culture and kind of different kinds of sexual violation and that we don't we don't realize it and i think it's a, i think it kind of is opening people's eyes to that and doing it 
by not a melodramatic narrative that is about the rape being this like, but actually not like a kind of suspenseful thriller where it's like, who did it? Or like, right. you know, will we find it? But it's actually about, it's, 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 not, it's not melodramatic. It actually inter it weaves in kind of comedy and moments of just kind of kind of naturalistic conversation among these different um, characters that are of color and of different kinds of class and also in, in children of immigrants, or one is a child of immigrants. So it's an interesting way that it weaves in different kinds of difference as well. Yeah, like the, the main character, so many other shows when dealing with a victim of something like this, like they're just that. They're yes. just a victim of that. Whereas this person, she's a person, like she's still a person, you know, like that doesn't define her. She's trying her. to write a fucking book. She's yeah. trying to write a book. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. man. That stuff stresses me out too. Like her, like just ignoring <laughs> deadlines and shit. I'm just like, dude, get Ooh, I can't handle deadline stress. I know. And, I know. In yeah. movies or games, it stresses me out in games. <laughs> me too, dude. Like Starcraft or something. I'm like, I can't handle it. <laughs> Persona five, that kind of stuff where it's like, you only have five days and you get to do one thing per day. I'm just like, ah, there's not enough time. Um, I also watched the season premiere of Fargo, which I thought was cool. I'm a couple oh. behind now on that. The, is this the Chris Rock season? Chris Rock season, yeah. How is it? Do you like it? Good so far. It's cool. I mean, it's I've it's. I never watched the Ewan McGregor season. Was that yeah, season mean? three. I didn't finish. Is that season? Okay. Yeah, that's season three. I didn't yeah, finish yeah, season yeah. three. Okay. Four is for, for four no is really reason good so far though. Yeah, so episode first episode was cool. Um, you know, it's it's a lot of just kind of setup. So we'll see where it goes. Also, it, you know, in keeping with things called Fargo. Uh, does not take place in Fargo, <laughs> principally, <laughs> at least so far. So, Who else is in it? It's Chris Rock and someone else, though, right? Um, Jason Schwartzman's in there. Uh, Timothy Oliphant. He might show up there later. Yeah, I think so. I think he showed. He wasn't in the first episode, but in. yeah, I love me some Timothy Oliphant. Uh, I heard he's rumored to be in season two of The Mandalorian. Is that true? Yes, I did hear that. I am in for that i've also just yeah i've also just been watching like an ass load of taskmaster clips on youtube <laughs> that show is great british i guess game show it's like a panel show but it's uh they're they're set upon completing various outlandish tasks um and then the two hosts like make fun of them for doing poorly at it and uh <laughs> It's it's yeah. a funny show. <laughs> it's a, and they're like all comedians, you know. So it's like, you know, it's like I don't know, hide this uh, pineapple on your person, and and like or like balance the host using nothing but these weird items on this seesaw, like random stuff like that, you know. Um, and then I haven't rewatched any, but I watched the Red Letter Media review of Twin Peaks Firewalk with me last night as I was feeling super dizzy and just watching those. And it's just got me in like a whole Twin Peaks vibe now. Like I'm just thinking about Twin Peaks all day. So nice. yeah, and everything fun. else. I think I sent you that Marco Polo of the like waterfall, right? Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I, for me, that was like a pilgrimage. Like I had to go to oh. the actual inn where Twin Peaks takes place. I, I mean to, yeah. I mean to go up there someday. Um, then I just watched a buttload of stuff for this episode. So without further ado, <laughs> let's hop in um and also matthew remind me i think after the favorites um you have a certain expertise that maybe we can talk about if you want 
<laughs> sure, absolutely. <laughs> it right. never seemed quite appropriate before, but I think this is the episode. I think this for is it. the episode, and I, I, <laughs> I, I have a, I have a, um, a comment picked out for the end of the favorites that sort of mirrors my feelings about certain uh, movies by a certain director, um, and I think that that'll lead into that maybe. So we'll see. Uh, all right, but yeah. So the format for the show usually is I just have a bunch of comments from our patrons on Patreon.com/EasyAllies, seven dollars and up. They are in the film club, and they get to comment, and we use their comments in the show. Uh, and so I just asked first up, first and foremost, pretty easy question: What's your favorite folk horror? Um, mm. And I'll I'll start by reading their comments, and if one pops up that is one of your favorites. Or if you just have something to say about one of them, hop right in. Um, Happy Gaming says one of their favorites in recent memory has to be the Babadook, and not to mention the Vvvvvvitch. Uh, I love the witch. I've been too scared to watch called, Babadook. Why is it two Vs? Why? Why can't old it timey? It's old timey. <laughs> it's when do you do soda? What's the difference between a soda like a shop? S H O P P E. <laughs> a couple hundred years. Yeah, a couple okay. hundred years or location. <laughs> yeah, I don't know when that. I don't know when that changed in earnest. Like when we stopped doing extra P's and throwing E's on stuff. Maybe like eighteen nineties. I don't know. Mark, do you know? <laughs> no, I don't know, and I love that you're trying to guess that. <laughs> I assume you know everything, Mark. Just just be aware of that. Um, <laughs> the the Babadook I did not like the first time I saw it, and then I rewatched it a, f- a few years later, and I absolutely loved it. Um, oh, cool! What what changed for you? I'm curious. Expectations, you know, like horror can sometimes be the victim of too high of expectations or different expectations. Mm-hmm. If you're expecting jump scares and crazy horror and then all of a sudden it's this yeah. deep slow paced introspective yeah you know so i think i went in yeah with the wrong mood and vibe and i was like oh, it was okay yeah. and then of course you know second time reevaluating it and like watching it deeper and watching it like prepared for what it was i just like loved it even more. I love it. I love it too. That director, Jennifer Kent, she's a genius. My, um, I will have to say though, I did not find the Babadook very scary. I found it kind of fun and manic like Beetlejuice, but my wife, my wife, hated it she thought it was terrifying and stressful um so that's a good barometer of you might find it scary Ian. Uh, well yeah you actually you actually reminded me of the first the first time i didn't like it is because they show the babadook early they show it pretty early and then it like sucked all the horror and the tension out of it for me like darkness then, falls yeah but then the, again going in again it's like okay i'm ready so yeah when you show your creature too soon i think you know i michael i go what you're saying because i kind of want to rewatch baba duke because i didn't love it the first time when i saw it in the theater yeah um i was you know i was in my graduate program and i was i just kept thinking like oh this is so freudian like being so annoyed by that you know like the oedipal anxiety of it all and like the mother and son mm. trying to you know like get their relationship solidified and the father just keeps like interrupting that and disrupting that 
but I think maybe I need to rewatch it. And I just need to rewatch it with this kind of like the way that the queer community claimed the Baba Duke and these That's kind of right. weird things. Yeah. I didn't quite understand. And maybe I still don't. So I want to rewatch it because I'm like, I'm sure people picked up on something that I didn't at the time because I was just so pissed off. I was thinking <laughs> about that the other day and I, I was not sure if that was because of something in the movie or because in real life, uh, I'm trying to remember the origins because I think something in real life, like, filed it under gay and lesbian cinema or something yeah. just at random. I think it was a Netflix category. Netflix, maybe. yeah, but it had um, nothing. It was like a misfile, but then everyone just glommed onto it. I love seeing the Babadook at Pride Parade. Yeah. To see him like, <laughs> on signs and everything. It's such a strange turn of events. I yeah. love it, though. I turned to someone I was dating at that point, whenever it was a few years ago, and I was like, what the hell is it with this? And he goes, oh, well, look at those limp wrists. <laughs> I'm like, seriously? That's what we're doing? That's what we're doing. <laughs> our, our queer hero is now just someone with limp wrists. Yeah, it's, it's, it's 2020, true. Mark. We got to take what we can get. Like, come know? on. I know, right? Thank you. Thank you, Ian, for that support. <laughs> um... <laughs> Eric Sayer, I know this is one of your favorites, Huber. Eric, and I just finished watching it today. Eric Sayer oh, brings oh. up my favorite has to be The Wailing, a film all about superstition, tradition, and how disinformation can lead to true horror. It has one of the bleakest endings I've ever seen in a film. I didn't mm. sleep well for a week after watching it. Um, also, my, Mace Face seconds The Wailing. Uh, mm. Not only one of my favorite horror movies, but favorite movie. Uh, I know Huber is a fan I and love they it so so much. They also bring up 2018 Suspiria, which I love, which we can talk about afterwards. But uh, yeah, just finish uh, the whaling today. Talk talk yeah, to us about the whaling, Huber. Well, tell uh, us what it is first, and then I can talk about it. So it is like small town Korean horror thriller, and you know, like a Japanese outsider comes, and there's like murders going on, and then shit escalates you have like a detective investigating the whole thing and just like weird occurrences kind of happen throughout uh there's some weird comedic yeah i was gonna say it's kind of funny at times like yeah yeah there's yeah there's parts that are really funny and then there are parts that are just so extreme and then there are parts that are just really really spooky it's got a nice balance of like genres and emotions yeah uh and it's just like a two it's like really long too it's like a two and a half hour epic what'd you say mark what era is this from what Uh, this is a few years old now it's probably 2017 yeah i want to say 17 16 okay Mm -hmm. cool yeah uh just finished it today um started it yesterday but then got busy we had to do our stream so i had to finish it after um and i wasn't about to finish it at night um, but oh, yeah, and it, it definitely, uh, definitely qualifies as folk horror. Um, but the, and the pacing and stuff, which has in common with many of these other great folk horrors, but like, it's yeah. one of those movies where I, f- where I finished it and I was like, what, what are we, what are we what trying to say here? Yeah. Like, that yeah. ending, I had yeah. no idea how to parse the meaning. Right. It seemed mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. very xenophobic. With right. The devil. And right. Picture. Um, and I was like, I'm going to have to think about that for a while. Maybe I need to know more about the situation and the politics to be able to understand it. But right. it just seemed like it was like, outsiders are bad. Right. Is this movie just racist? Like, or what are we saying? Uh, I, I haven't my seen this film, but I can tell, I mean, what, didn't Japan occupy Korea? Yes. Yeah. My brother's wife. Aftermath of that. So yeah, there's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely it's talking about that, I think. And that's, that's, I think, the broader context of like, 
what is this really about? And I think I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Yeah, my brother's wife is Japanese and like watched it as well because I told my yeah. brother all about it and like told me kind of just about the tension between yeah, exactly. Korea and Japan. And uh, but and I guess in a, in a way we're we've we've we're sort of spoiling it kind of, but like the movie does an amazing job, especially as a, as an American viewer in 2020, I think, of playing back and forth on your expectations and, and biases. Like you, I flip flopped on who I thought was the bad guy, like four times. (laughs) I was like, I was like, well, certainly it's not this. Oh, maybe, uh, maybe it is. No, it can't be. It's this one, you know, like, um, but just really cool build of tension. And it's one of those movies that like many of these folk horror movies, just expert, uh, crescendo to madness. Like where you just, you can, taste that something nasty is about to happen mm-hmm. and it's, <laughs> it's just it's mood. wonderful um, um i love that director his other movies he did the yellow sea which i think is one of the most underrated movies of the last while mm. um it's funny james gunn did his like top 10 films of the decade or of all time and he gave a shout out to the yellow sea um and then before that he did the chaser which is like a thriller serial serial killer thriller just really like oh i didn't realize that was him i saw the Mm -hmm. chaser that one's a bit intense yeah Yeah. sick in a couple ways (laughs) he he just nails tension really like his movies big fan writing these down i've never seen these cool yeah uh i literally just thought of this i hadn't thought of that i can't i'm kicking myself now for not having thought of 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 him sooner but uh michael haneke as a director makes folk horror even when he's not making folk horror i feel like like <laughs> like cachet i feel like it kind of is and like i mean certainly the white ribbon white. just yeah. like straight up oh god the white ribbon is so good ah. um yeah. and funny games kind of too um geez anyway La- well, last thing about the whaling is I, I love too that it's just ambiguous enough i love that about a horror movie oh yeah where it yeah. doesn't like things are left unexplained there's like lapses in time it almost seems like like a fever dream yeah it's just like piecing it together is is fun well that that i think is a common thread in this genre this sub genre too of like loss of time and like confusion Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. mounting confusion the third day plays with that incredibly well Uh, i don't know tell me to watch that i gotta start yeah I, i episode four just came out yeah last week you're caught up okay i was i was wondering if any of you had a chance uh matthew have you watched it i haven't watched it yet i think you would you would really like it oh i haven't watched raised by wolves yet um because i don't have max because roku fucking sucks i'm not i'm not gonna tell you no no, there's a way to do it we'll talk about it later okay tell me later yeah yeah i'm not gonna (laughs) (laughs) i'm um, gonna say who it is but there's a character on raised by wolves that might be my favorite character of 2020 whoa pretty good show great character okay mm. yeah uh, but so as the academic of the bunch i just want to pause and i want to ask ian especially because you just said funny games is folk horror but i i kind of want to ask i want to open up to the room how are we defining folk horror uh to me i mean like funny games is like haha folk horror sort of but like to me, I mean, like, the stuff that's easily, obviously, folk horror are, like, yeah. fish out of water, on an island, can't do anything about it, tra-la-la, like, obviously. Yes. Um, yes. But then things things like 
where you have to get a little looser with it is because like one of the staples i think is the fish out of water element and even stuff like the whaling where it's their own hometown yeah the thing they're dealing with is out of water so that's still maintained so i maybe that might be the the requisite um but but basically it's like fish out of water into a community or situation that is beyond their ken beyond like what it is rural right right? yeah yeah does folk more play into it Mm. i yeah oftentimes i I think it certainly does yeah Yeah. like if you think of like an old silent movie like Faust, Murnau's Faust, which is one of my favorite, favorite silent movies ever. It's got that classic image of Faust. You've probably seen images of it where he's like opens his cape over a town mm, and it's yeah. got like yep. people yeah, yeah, riding yeah, yeah, yeah. on skeleton horses yeah, that look like stop so motion good. animation. <laughs> so good. Those are like very classic clips from that movie, but that was based on uh, German folklore about Dr. Faustus. And, uh, yeah, so I think uh, folklore definitely 100% influences it. A lot of times you see, in, I think, in folklore, if it's from the British or European angle, it, you'll often see a battle between paganism and yeah. Christianity. Yeah. Uh, another early one of those, like, silent movies, has anybody seen Haxon? That's on uh, yes. Criterion Collection. Haxon's... Yeah, it's like a documentary from a sort of documentary from a Swedish filmmaker uh, in the 1920s. And it just like recreates all of these like instances of witchcraft and kind of ties it to like persecution. They're like, this is, these are the stereotypes of witches and covens and paganism. And here's how uh, people are persecuted because of those beliefs. So it's kind of forward thinking a little bit for uh, the 1920s. Um, it's not it's not so great on the issue of mental illness. It's like the witches were actually crazy, so we should be compassionate to them and put them in the institutions. So uh, you know, old stuff always has problems. But yeah, I've I've noticed a lot. Most of the British, European, American folklore has to do with the tension between paganism and Christianity. Yeah, there's yeah. usually burning. Someone gets burned somewhere, and like over half of you the gotta, folklore movies, you gotta burn somebody. Fire. Yeah, certainly, yeah. A lot, a lot of times women, unfortunately, are the mm. ones getting burned in these movies. But sometimes it's vampires get burned, castles yeah. get burned. There's there's going to be some burning happening. And then Possessions, I think, yeah. I think with, as we see in The Wailing and with Haosu, like, uh, it, it ends up dealing with, like, malevolent spirits and stuff and, like, that kind of a thing. But, uh, yeah, that stuff definitely plays in almost across the board. In the case of the white ribbon, it's more just like, <sighs> I guess it's like uh, stifling belief systems versus yeah. like youth. I don't know. <laughs> like, well, it's a kind of isolated community, right? Right. That's, that's another thing that plays in, right? Is a kind of isolation or yeah. of these lo- locales. Um, so yeah, I think of white ribbon, I think of very much like this and, and, it, and it being a, also kind of national allegory in a way, or kind of right. it's anticipation of what's to come in white ribbon. But, um, yeah. So right before world war one Germany, right? I think it's right before world war one. Yeah, I think so too. My memory serves me right. Yeah. Right. As, uh, right before we started filming this, I asked Matthew and, and Huber if straw dogs counts Gosh. and, uh, I- I think yeah. it does. It grow it grows out of the those British movies in the seventies. When what year was Straw Dogs? Do you remember? Seventy something. Sixty nine right? yeah, or seventy yeah. 
Let's it's try. right in the mix there. Of the ones we talked about earlier, Ian, there was the Blood on Satan's Claw. 71. And, and yeah, and Witchfinder General yeah. that came out around that era. These British movies about paganism and right. Satanism. And, I, um, I watched the, Blood on Satan's Claw for this. Yeah, it was... That sorry. one was fun. Sure. Which, which, yeah. Witchfinder General is very intense. That's Vincent Price. Yeah. And he's playing nice. sort of like this... Mm, this guy who loves to torture people under the guise of religion. And he goes from town to town, finds somebody who he accuses of being a witch, stabs them or burns them. It's a very, it feels like a very early kind of torture porn style movie. That one was a little too much for me. He's kind of like a Cormac McCarthy villain, like the uh, No Country for Old Men, just kind of wandering the land, more hurting of a, people. More of an archetype than a human being. Yeah, but when you watch something like that and that kind of rawness in the British countryside of just people invading other people's homes and torturing them, Straw Dogs definitely feels of a piece with that. Straw Dogs, Straw Dogs, like, Straw Dogs is to me as Tetsuo Iron Man was to you. I saw it much too young (laughs) and was not prepared. I'm still too young for it. Yeah, I was, I, I didn't trust humans or women or men or anything for like a good six months after I watched Strata. Um, There's something about this like seventies moment kind of coming after or kind of still during the counterculture movement. Yeah. That first kind of wasn't just in the United States. Right. I mean, you find obviously examples of it in Europe and then even Japan. So there's something maybe about a reaction, a kind of reactionary conservative reaction to um, the kind of counterculture quasi paganism of that movement. Um, of free love and stuff so there's something there that may be i don't know maybe maybe good to tease out i think that's a that's a good observation uh, that's a great observation and i think you you you've hit the nail on the head of what i was about to say too is you're totally right the the films because the films of this ilk from the 70s era seem very pro-christian pro uh like organized organized religion pro you know and and anti-pagan whereas now i think we're in like a revisionist period with things like (laughs) with things like the witch um which don't necessarily seem pro-religion you know Mm -hmm. um and it's a funny kind of wicker man because from the 70s that may be an exception wicker man might be the we'll get there well, yeah. let's let's jump into Wicker Man because I yeah. love 1973, right? Uh, Wicker Man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 73. Um, oh, God, that movie's just so... I'm indebted to you for showing it to me in the way that I got to see it. But, um, yeah, because I was going to say, I don't, I don't recall the main character I don't think is religious. He's just he is, yes, he's very pious. He's a, he's a God-fearing man. Oh right, but his job is he's like an insurance investigator, he, right? He's there no, he's a he's a he's an officer of the law. He's there right. to investigate this missing girl. Right. But of right. Course, sorry, spoiler right. alert, but of course he's been lured there to be their sacrifice so that their crops can grow for the next season or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and I think that the film does a really amazing job of kind of making this kind of like pious guy look like a kind of like, oh, sorry, there's, there are sirens. <laughs> Fitting. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, kind of kind of look like sort of this like wimpy, like kind of dick compared, like kind of loser compared to, you know, this town that has a kind of vibrant, you know, this kind of vibrant pagan culture that you're kind of, I don't know, I guess depending on what kind of spectator you are historically, what kind of spectator is watching. Um, I think that, you know, I think the film does a really good job of making you go, I kind of want to be a part of that community. This guy's kind of, <laughs> uh, kind of lame. 
But I, I want to hear other thoughts. Yeah, that's one of the things I was wondering. Were, were these movies, how many of them were reactionary and how many were saying, hey, the paganism's actually kind of fun? Like Wicker Man, for example, <laughs> like maybe you could view it like Inglorious Bastards, where like, oh, they get to take their revenge. And so if you're, if you're on their side, there's something kind of thrilling about watching it like for me when i was a kid my uh I, I just grew up in a religious family in the 80s where like the satanic panic stuff was happening and you know they were very christian so uh, our church believed demons could possess people my parents would read books and they would think demons could possess us so as a kid i was freaked out that a demon was going to possess me so when you see like one of these like folk horror mo- yeah <laughs> when you see one of these folk horror movies like like the witch for example yes i re- i really connected to yeah. the heroine of that movie because she's going through all this like psychological torment about her Christian religion and her family gets a little wacky as a result and then you have this coven of witches who welcome her in and it's almost a triumphant feeling do you um, want to towards the end of that movie yeah and you know they maybe they cook up a baby in a stew so that's not so good you're gonna have to cook you shouldn't do that you know but there is something fun about a movie that delights in crossing those boundaries even if it's not endorsing the behavior of the pagans but somehow flipping the script and making it feel like this is a happy ending if the pagans are succeeding well and i see i see movies like that like wicker man 73 and the white ribbon and the witch and stuff not as an indictment of like religion on the whole maybe but as an indictment of like such stringent punishing like just like oppressive religion because like the family in the witch are kicked out of their calvinist Mm -hmm. uh who are very you know strict to begin with they're kicked out for being too strict (laughs) and um you know you're strict if if you're getting kicked out of the calvinites calvinists or whatever for being the Puritans for being too strict, you know. Um, Leo has formed to that too, right? Because White Ribbon is all about that. Yeah, so White Ribbon it, is all about the like cost of repression, right? Yeah, yeah. And sure. I, I love that. I mean, I, I grew up in a very religious uh, upbringing as well, and felt fairly stifled by it personally, and so I can relate to it in that kind of way. Um, through weirdly no fault of my parents, like my mom was a pastor, but. She was actually super chill. Um, I just kind of like put it on myself in a weird way. I don't know. Uh, But Leo S. Luna um, had an interesting comment that is very much along these lines. Uh, Bringing in also, they say, uh, I I guess Rosemary's Baby and The Omen might count too. They're both both based on cults. The only thing is that they're worldwide in size. Uh, they say they love those anti-religion movies for some reason, the witch included. They're from Costa Rica, one of many Catholic-based Latin American countries, so accept, ex- uh, expect and many morale and controversies surrounding these types of movies. I was taught to go to church and school and feel guilty for most things I do in life, but when my teenage years happened, I got, I got atheist for personal reasons and things that led me to disbelieve. There's an amount of friends who truly believers, and I respect that. It's just not for me. That's why I love the witch. Many Christians and Catholics alike despise paganism, but they never realize that the excess of religion is the cause of paganism itself oftentimes. Um, or at least certainly in these movies, it's, it seems to be offered as like an antidote for oppressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, not to say, you know, if you're religious yeah. at home listening or watching, that's totally fine. But it, the, the depictions in these movies are 
oppressive uh, intentionally. Yeah, what's the goat's name? Like Philip? Black Philip? Black Philip, yeah. Black Philip, yeah, yeah. Philip just like, hey, come on over. Basically, <laughs> right? That's what Pretty it much. <laughs> it's like, hey, come on, on over. Sign this book. Some some of the movies that uh, fit into this category though definitely take the opposite approach. Absolutely, like oh the pagans are out of control. Blood on Saints Club, this for is, example. This is an example of like mass psychology going awry and people getting whipped up into a fear, like the the whaling has with its shaman. Yeah, um, God, and Midsummer definitely. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that it, the movie takes a stance quite in favor of the group. Uh, the group's pretty. They're kind of they're kind of scary with some of their rituals, but and... it sort of does. <laughs> yeah, yeah it does. It sort of at the end. It sort of does. We're spoiling the shit out of everything. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> but I, think, I think Matthew got you got our, your your points right that you know it really depends on where you kind of stand, right? Theologically yeah. or spiritually, maybe even um, in terms of who you're gonna kind of ally with or ally with um in these in these films um and midsummer is a really good example of that we don't have to get to it yet but i'm i'm, mm-hmm. I'm very excited to talk about midsummer we yeah. uh yeah we'll have a we'll build up to it there's going to be yeah. a, a midsummer hereditary uh, section <laughs> coming crescendo. up uh yeah yeah we're crescendoing to the nightmare that are hereditary <laughs> um but uh, kind of along these lines, I recently watched a movie called Apostle, starring Dan Stevens, oh, which nice. is on Netflix. Um, You're from... Evans, dude. The Raid. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I I went on a little rabbit hole about Gareth Evans mm-hmm. after I watched Apostle because I was like, he's just like some Welsh dude directing The Raid. Like I was mm-hmm. thought I never looked into who directed The Raid. <laughs> I always thought they were just Indonesian movies or something. But no, they're mm-hmm. they're kind of a multicultural thing which i really appreciate um but apostle is interesting because it's sort of it kind of toes the line in an interesting way um and the movie's not it's not certainly the best uh that we'll talk about today but it was fine Um, but the one thing i liked about it is the main character played by dan stevens uh had already lost his faith prior to the movie he stopped believing um before this happened and then this movie which you know try not to spoil it but it gets a little more supernatural than most of these overtly anyway um it just it's it's an interesting interplay between a loss person who's lost their faith uh encountering a new faith and then sort of like coming into a new faith which is a mixture of their old faith and this new very interesting weird kind of take on it um that i thought was interesting you don't see very often makes me think about the lighthouse in a weird way but yeah yeah i don't know nobody else has seen the has seen apostle so <laughs> no, i want to, it's long right it's uh, two, hours, two hours i think yeah oh, okay. uh another one that i saw on netflix or i didn't see it but i i it was mentioned a few times uh was the ritual which is on netflix mm. but i haven't seen that oh, one yet yeah. Um, I think I saw that one. Is it's a cult film, right? I think so. Like where these people live in the hills, they bring their friends over for a dinner party. That's the invitation. They, that's the invitation, which I have seen. Love invitation. Invitation's great. Let's talk yeah. about the invitation because the invitation is dope. <laughs> is folk? I don't think that's folk horror. I don't. It's It's not folk it's horror, cool. but it's it's a cult movie. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. which is great. No, um, I have to say, I think that movie should be remade. I think that the acting and the dialogue is really bad in certain scenes, but the whole concept and the conceit of it is 
brilliant. It's totally so inconsistent for I sure. Want to see, yeah, and I want to see someone else remake it and do a better job at it personally. I'm uh, I'm percolate. I've been percolating an episode theme for reaction shots, but I don't quite have I don't quite have it yet. But it's it's something along the lines of like what like mid to low budget um sci-fi slash suspense movies like the invitation like the endless like primer like coherence um Is the upstream color fit well, oh god jesus lord upstream color the greatest movie ever made yeah um oh, no. deep cuts i love oh, no. upstream color yeah, Did you see I'm, Amy's new movie? You're gonna. I haven't uh, seen it yet. What's it called? Die tomorrow. Or yeah, she she die dies tomorrow. tomorrow or something. I haven't. I haven't yeah, seen it yet. yeah. It's funny. It's got a good sense of humor. Really? Yeah, I think I know yeah. some people who worked on it. Um, so that's cool. Um, I don't like when horror is funny. <laughs> well, this <laughs> movie is not for you. He's a military like man it. and he wants a military meal. Yeah. Comedic <laughs> horror films? No. What about, what about Cabin in the Woods, Huber? Come on. Cabin in the Woods is great. Right. 10 out of 10. All right, all right. <laughs> what about, what about, what about Army of Darkness 2? You prove uh, me wrong. Evil, evil Dead. Evil right. Dead. Evil sure. Dead Army it depends on the funny. Yeah. I agree with you. Sometimes I'm like not in the mood. Just like I don't want a yeah. band to sing funny songs. Just sing good mm-hmm. songs. Don't be funny. Dude, like that MGMT <laughs> album that came out with Little Dark Age, and I loved Little Dark Age, but then the rest of the album was like a joke. It was like a joke album, and I was just like, this isn't what I joke signed on for. I don't want this. Yeah, what? Uh, or maybe it just wasn't for me. I don't know. <laughs> um, Ryan Ponder says Black Death from 2010, while not my favorite, Dude. is a fantastic horror film esque, hor- folk horror esque film who, starring Sean Bean, Eddie Redmayne, mm-hmm. and Cla- Carice Van Houten. Uh, essentially a medieval witch hunt movie with plenty of sketchy town folk and foreboding stuff. I don't think I've seen mm-hmm. that one. On one. Is that good? Shh. It's good. Uh, they nailed it. Just, it's not like the best, but it's a really good time, uh, especially if you love Sean Bean. Like I love, which I do. Yeah. So sign up for that and just atmosphere. It's got a good vibe. It's got a good atmosphere. Cool. Uh, there's something about horror movies that, like, when it's when it's medieval and like rural, like so many of the movies we're talking about, like The Witch. There's yeah. just that extra sense of vulnerability. Like, the witch is so terrifying because they're just, like, on this farm land area. Yeah. It's like, anyone, anything could just walk up and and harm you, so. There, uh, there is a conceit in folk horror films, um, oftentimes not super well executed, uh, <laughs> where you, you, the viewer, find yourself wondering, why don't you leave? <laughs> <laughs> why don't you leave? Um... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some movies like The Witch handle it really well because it's like they just can't. They don't have a they're mm-hmm. so destitute that they would just die if they tried to leave. It's like they have to stick to their dirt farm because they got to eat that dirt. Oh man. Uh that's I just read a review where someone really applauded the fact that The Third Man does a really good job at that. The Third right? Day? The Third Day, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Because he sees, nice. he, he, he keeps seeing his son, right? He wants to figure out is his son at yeah. his island. Um, and he was comparing it to the original Wicker Man, which yeah. said, nah, he doesn't really have a good reason to stay. And I'm like, 
But if he's a pious character and he wants to do the right thing, he's going to find this child at all costs. Right. I was read by this review. I thought they misread the original one. And don't you dare mess with the original Wicker Man. Yeah. <laughs> original Wicker Man. Pretty great. But yeah, you've yeah. got to be duty bound. You've got to be trapped yeah. by some kind of strange yeah. mechanism. Yeah. Or you've got to be there for a reason that we don't know about. You know, yeah. like I, I brought it up earlier in the air. Perfect time to throw it in. The uh, Relic, not the Relic, Relic. My favorite horror movie of 2020. It's a newer movie. Came out this year on demand. I've heard it's exactly very sad. what you're talking about. A reason for being there. Like there, you know, yeah. you never you you're never questioning why. Like, do this, do that, why, why, why? It's like so such an honest, awesome movie, dude. Relic. I cannot recommend that enough. Um Ryan Ponder also brought up the original Woman in Black from '89. Uh, ties for favorites with Wicker Man and the Witch in Midsummer, uh, mm. but the woman in black is so impossibly warm in spots. People are friendly. The town is bustling and lively, and this all provides such a stark contrast to the house across the bog. The newer mm. woman in black, in my opinion, does not compare. Haven't yeah. seen either of them, but yeah, I haven't heard. I'm intrigued. Yeah. I want to see this now. I guess I didn't realize, or maybe I knew that it was a remake, but yeah. yeah. Um, Jeremy Ferris uh, says isn't necessarily folk horror but Nosferatu the Vampire is a great daytime horror film for those who haven't seen it it's a pseudo remake of Nosferatu but when he gets to England it turns out the ship he was sailing on is carrying the Black Plague many horror scenes are in the day including the ending which is this the Herzog one that he's um, talking about the Herzog th- one is I've great s- I've seen the Herzog one it must be that yeah I think it is that yeah, one yeah there's like hundreds of rats in that yeah the soundtrack is beautiful. It's this German, uh, like, sort of weird spiritual mystical band, Popol Vuh, I think is the name uh, of them. They do a lot of Herzog soundtracks. Popol Vuh, yeah. Yeah, Ooh. but God, the music is, like, transcendent. Mm. Yeah, it feels like Super a good cool. acid trip is what their <laughs> the music sounds like. It's um, a cool pairing with vampires. And, like, I, I, I've been debating whether or not vampires count as folk horror because hmm. there's a little bit of folklore there i think that um the hammer horror studio from britain they transposed a lot of those uh vampire stories to sort of the medieval middle ages britain town british towns you'd have these counts and vampires but you'd also have like towns that had little like covens and cults and they're really really fun to watch they're so beautiful to look at they're uh they have this eastman color it's sort of like technicolor yeah. very vibrant rich colors to watch and like you have like christopher lee and who's the guy from star wars who they cgi'd his face moff tarkin or something like that oh. okay moff tarkin peter cushing yeah that's peter his cushing. name right yeah, yeah. peter cushing he's a lot of these is like a van helsing type character he's usually the one whipping the town up into a fury there's a great hammer movie called twins of evil where it has two twins who become one of them becomes a vampire one one stays innocent but there's some <laughs> there's some burning in the town because they're worried about satanic influence so sometimes vampires i feel like they just sit right on the edge of folk horror, depending on how they're used. Not always, not I as agree, a general yeah. role. Definitely like that- D- Bram Stoker's Dracula and Nosferatu mm-hmm. definitely like skirts that line, I'd say. Vampire Diaries does not. <laughs> <laughs> Nor does True Blood, I would I would imagine. Speaking oh. of testing... No, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, uh, mine is probably much less intelligent than yours. <laughs> I was going to say that 
vampires have in common with folk horror is that they're very horny. And <laughs> that's very common in folk horror, too. But, but the difference like, is vampires get to have sex or sexual release, whereas people in folk horror don't until they get Sometimes burned they to do. death. If well, if they're part of the little like, <laughs> right, right, right. group, the hero the rituals, doesn't. Then, yeah. <laughs> I just wondered, like, so if we're going to test the parameters or the limits of the folk horror genre, if we would also put deliver like sh- like kind of oh. or or kind of like yeah like kind of like the rural is terrifying uh films like deliverance and i spit in your grave yeah we put as folk horror or those do not because they're not about folklore so i'm just trying to figure out that they would also fit the bill those are <sighs> are mountain men folklore like well it's men, it's right the the lore of that like kinda, Appalachian and stuff. Yeah, right? it kind yeah. of skirts the It's like class horror. It's like if you're an urbanite, you're afraid of the hayseed. That's like true. There probably is a lot of classism inherent in those. Yeah. I've heard them referred to as hicksploitation movies. Hicksploitation. Okay. All right. Hicksploitation sounds. Dude, Deliverance good. is so effed up. Oh yeah, it's effed up movie. It's funny. It's one of those movies that I'd heard so much about before seeing it. And I saw it after, you know, everything that had been influenced by it and, like, one-upped it. So when I actually saw it, I was like, that's it? I was like, come on. Squilling pig, that's it? Yeah, that's it? I've seen Peckinpah that's crazier than this. Get out of here. It's not, uh, not true. Anyway, okay, so we're, so we're not going to say that those are folk horror. I just, I just, I mean, just trying to test the limits here. They yeah. dance on well, the side. Yeah, yeah I, I traditionally uh, have a very lenient definition of genre on this program. Same. So uh, games, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I, I think pretty. You could fit just about anything into just about anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which brings me to Pride and Prejudice, uh, <laughs> and zombies. Genius. Yeah. Uh, Colt Smith. Uh, favorite would have to be either the original Wicker Man, Blood on Satan's Claw, The Witch, or The Hallow, an Irish film, with some honorable mentions in The Black Death, The Ritual, The Wailing. Apostle Midsummer, The Lodgers, and uh, loosely Crimson Peak, um, which I like. Um, I'm gonna holds up. I'm gonna try to get through a few. Yeah, I'm gonna try to get through a few quickly here. Teague brings up the invitation, which we spoke about. Uh, Tyler Travis brings up Candyman, which I still have not yet seen. Did not know that the score is by Philip Glass, which is cool. Um, which we talked about though uh, alexander zirinov says uh they have more of a recommendation if you're interested in slavic folk horror recommend vi v-i-y <gasps> have you seen I'm it i'm so happy this is a great movie this is gonna go under one of my favorites list what's this uh viewer's name alexander zirinov alexander thank you thank you for bringing <laughs> up v v is so good it's uh, a like a russian folklore movie it's the first oh, cool. soviet made horror movie to get released uh in the ussr um because of it like having that sort of class angle we're like oh this is telling a story of the common folk and it's about a monk a russian monk who has to go pray over a witch in a mausoleum for three days and she tries to like torture him and drive him crazy but it's a it's a fun goofy thing it feels like an (laughs) after school special with great 
special effects and uh, makeup and there's all these kind of like spirited away style goblins that appear and she floats around and hops she's like a little bit like the Babadook it's it's a joy ride V is great thank you for bringing this up Alexander that's like that sounds- 1967 so there we go it's another one of those late 60s so. yeah. yeah that time period that's was great for it the, just the the sweet spot for these yeah um Hey man, nice shot says they're not overly familiar with the subgenre, but recently enjoyed examples like The Witch um, and The Wind, which is a weird mix between Western and folk horror, definitely a slow burn, but very effective, and The Hole in the Ground, which is Irish folk horror. It gets pretty weird and is particularly scary if you can't handle creepy kids. <laughs> I haven't heard of The Wind or The Hole in the Ground, so no, got to add two to the list. Would you kindly brings up Ken Russell's The Devils, which was banned in the UK for its blasphemy. <laughs> Mark, yeah. it looks like you had a reaction. Yeah, to this Mark, movie. you know this one? I love that film. I don't know if it's folk horror, but it is wild. Vanessa Redgrave plays this nun nice. who's been basic who's been possessed. I mean, she's clearly performing possession. And and she's got oh sorry, she's got like a she's got a hunchback nun, and she's she's lusting over this priest, this kind of leader priest in the community in a kind of like medieval, like late medieval, um, this medieval, late medieval town. And, um, and she basically is like pretending that he's possessed her um, in order to kind of like take revenge on him, not like, um, like for her love being unrequited. Oh, wow. So it's really sick and it is super twisted. And if you're into Ken Russell at all, I had highly recommend that film. So awesome. Heard his, yeah, I've heard his name come up a couple of times in relation to folk horror. I saw, did he do the layer of the white worm? Is that Ken Russell also? Let's I don't that, know about that one. That one, I think it might be him. Uh, it's super trippy weird. I think it maybe even has Hugh Grant, if I'm remembering correctly. Really trippy psychedelic visuals. Wow. Kind of like the movie Altered States, if you oh, remember okay. those little psychedelic oh, yeah, sequences. yeah, he did that one too. Yes. Layer of the White Worm has like a similar feel. It has some nice. sequences that like in college you'd show your friends when they come over like, check this out, it's really trippy. <laughs> like that kind of stuff. He did I do think, that. I think that counts. Yep. That's him? Yeah, that definitely feels like folk horror to me it's got a cool snake lady with a twisty neck oh cool he's been ken russell's really been forgotten and he was so huge in the 70s repertory and art house scene in the u.s and in europe and it's such a tragedy that people have forgotten him because formally i think like i think like you know there would be no baz Luhrmann without ken russell right because i was gonna say he did tommy and, which is crazy yeah with tommy and then i will say one other thing which is that Derek jarman was ken russell's set designer oh so, you know, we really wouldn't have Derek Jarman and his brilliant films also without Ken Russell. So I think we need to acknowledge that. Shout out. Shout out, Ken Russell. That's, that's all I'll say. I could go on and on. He's in, he'll be in my book. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Are you writing a book? Yeah. yeah but we'll <laughs> Is it about folk horror? <laughs> <laughs> no, Plug your book. It definitely has some shout outs to folk horror. Absolutely. Cool. I can't wait. I can't wait either. Um, would you kindly also brings up another British gem, Kill List. Kill List. Ben Wheatley. <laughs> this seems like a Huber movie. I saw the trailer and I was like, I bet Huber's seen this and can give me his opinion. Ben Dude, Ben Wheatley, so sick. Kill List. Just these like hitmen that get in with a cult. Oh, I need to see it. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> That's that all I need to see it. Uh, and then also Ben Wheatley did A Field in England. Have you guys seen that one? Uh, that that was on my list, and I didn't have enough time. A Field in England was definitely one that came up in the folklore. Ben Wheatley's so legit. 
uh, I got into him because they announced that he was doing Tomb Raider 2. Oh. I was like, oh, who's this guy? Let me let me get in on that. And then I just went back and watched all his movies. Did he end up actually doing Tomb Raider it's, 2? It's coming up down the line. Oh, the new Tomb Raider. The new Tomb Raider. Yeah, he's going to do Tomb Raider Not 2. the Angelina Jolie vehicle. No, the Vikander one. <laughs> the Alicia Vikander vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, what you kind of also brings up season one of True Dicks, which was, yeah, I'd say kind of fits. Uh, sort of pump the brakes at the end in a weird way, but uh, they also bring up cat people, <laughs> oh. which I've heard about, and I don't think I've I saw maybe the old one. Is the, the are they talking about the the Val Luton one? I yeah, think they're talking about the Paul the Schrader remake, remake. Yeah. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Tef says Dog Soldiers is a hidden gem. I don't know anything about that one. Oh, uh, Soldiers, man! That's Neil, that's Marshall. Neil Marshall. Yeah. Dude, I was like, Huber this, knows this is Neil. Marshall. This is one of the greatest werewolf movies of all time. This it's oh, such a simple plot. This is low budget. This is before he even did the descent. This is an army of soldiers trapped in a cabin in the woods, going up against werewolves. That's the premise. It is awesome. The effects on the 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 werewolves, so good. Just a really fun directorial debut like low budget horror <laughs> solid solid movie um i didn't i actually didn't copy solid down the shit. name of it but super sushi uh mentioned color out of space um as probably not counting but an interesting bridge uh from nicholas cage into weird kind of uh rural horror um we, we did nicholas cage last month uh, <laughs> Funny about Mandy, I'm sure. Oh yeah, oh Mandy, all the way. Mandy, yeah. I still Mandy. Watch it, dude. I've been so busy. I was Huber, watch it on October first. You're gonna I love know. Mandy. It be your It'll Halloween still be. Movie. It's yeah, gonna it's be. Gonna I'm gonna watch it at some point in October for sure. All right. I don't know. I don't know what your relationship is to drugs, but do not smoke pot before watching. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Huber. Has done ever done drugs or not? Your brain's gonna need all the room in there yeah. for Mandy. Okay. It it's can't gonna, have anything extra rattling around. It's, it's gotta be empty. Expand your brain. <laughs> Nicholas Cage is it one of his best roles? Uh, I think says. so. Definitely. Yes. I love it. Definitely up there. Yeah. It's got a. Well, I don't want to spoil anything. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, Jorgen Moore or Jorgen Moore? Uh, if we are including the Blair Witch then uh, not only is it my favorite folk horror movie, but favorite horror movie in general, this movie has elements of what I think folk horror captures best. Intimate or normal setting, daylight as much of a threat as night, and confusion. The best part of the movie is that we never see spoilers, the witch or the entity, but we experience it through the confusion and panic of the characters that do. Is this movie the scariest movie ever made? Of course not, but it was one of the first horror movies I saw when I was a kid, and it terrified me to the core. One thing I'll say about The Blair Witch and its effectiveness... Um, was the marketing campaign and like the kind of like mythos surrounding it when it came Mm -hmm. out. I was Mm -hmm. terrified of this movie just having it described to me by older coworkers. Like I was horrified. (laughs) Yeah. And I didn't even have to see it. And then I finally saw it and I was like, okay, yeah, that was good. And they they did an amazing job. There's on, um, I don't know what channel aired it, but I remember as a kid watching basically a documentary on like the Blair Witch and they made it look real. They made it like, all seem, yeah. You know, 
like, so I remember going in the movie being like, no, the Blair Witch is real. Like there's, there's accounts of it. And there's like, there's like other footage of it. And we're just watching like one, like basically, you know, recovered whatever footage of it. And so I remember thinking like, no, this is real. <laughs> you know, so yeah. they did a really good job with the market. Yeah. Totally it, right. it they almost it made felt, it like an ARG. Yeah. It felt yeah. very House of yeah. Leaves kind of like yes. that book. I love it. Blair Witch is one of the all time greats for me just because yeah. of everything surrounding it, the way it was made, like what it, you know, the, the ARG, like you're saying, like, is it real? Is it not? And yeah. even like I, I did a rewatch like a few years ago, you know, turned on all the lights, got all cozy in the dark and it scared the shit out of me still. Like the tension and the mood in Blair Witch masterful. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's so good. Like to make a movie, that low budget that movie what's the budget on that thing like less than a million bucks not high yeah <laughs> shoestring budget like oh, i love blair witch say yeah. what you will about tor- literally torturing your uh, cast yeah. but it's effective yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they got tortured pretty much right um blair witch project let's see uh budget uh like wow sixty thousand dollars sixty thousand sixty thousand crazy uh, crazy worldwide pulled in 248 million <laughs> that <laughs> that is a good that, spread <laughs> hope their lawyers were around when they signed those contracts oh my god <laughs> yeah Huge movie landmark film so yeah. influential so important for yeah. horror yeah yeah and i want to say the people who did this the, the misguided changer. sequel are the same guys who did um the guest starring dan stevens which is a really good movie mm. Um, I think that's is Dan that. Stevens your favorite actor. I my sister really loves Dan Stevens, and I really liked Legion, um, so I like he, Dan Stevens a lot. He left Downton Abbey, so I have a personal grudge against yeah. him. Because anytime an actor leaves a show because they want to do bigger things, I get it on a personal level, but I'm also offended. It's like well, you signed up for the show. You well, no, but that's that's the thing, Huber. Commitment. Huber in 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 old Britannia, they've got. <laughs> It's more of a it's more of a thing where uh, British actors okay. are are known fair. for not staying on a thing for more than a season or two. Fair, fair point. Great point. <laughs> didn't, didn't realize that. I'll dial back my yeah. grudge. I mean, that's that's why you have like the entire premise of Doctor <laughs> Who, right? Is like because oh, yeah. getting a British Shit. actor nailed down for more than like three or four seasons is <laughs> bonkers, apparently. Um, Zach Wojnar, I'm not 100% sure if this counts, then you're right on board, baby. Uh, <laughs> but my mom showed me The Believers when I was probably a little too young uh, to get excited for horror. It's about a Santeria cult, and it's got some spooky, crazy imagery, like a spider bursting out of a nasty pimple with no CGI. Oh. My oh. mom is Honduran, and as a little girl, that Santeria stuff was her boogeyman, since there was uh, were local so-called witch doctors in the mountains who she was instructed by family and friends to stay the F away from. Whoa. <laughs> uh, wow, I haven't heard of this. Yeah. I didn't yeah. To see that Especially one. with that backstory. Yeah. Well, on, on that note of talking about films from, from the global South or from central Latin America. Um, I just saw a film recently, a Guatemalan horror film. I'm not sure if you guys have seen it. I'm not going to botch the name, but it's, I think it's called La Lorena. Lorona. La Lorona. Yeah. Have you got, okay. Yeah. Have you seen it? I haven't seen this this new official legit yeah. one. I've seen yeah. the shitty Conjuring universe, the Curse of La Llorona, which is 
Not good. Not good. But this is on this was, my month yeah. to watch. I'm 100 yeah. watching this before It's home. on that what's that horror platform? I can't Shutter? remember. Shutter. Shutter. It's on yep. Shutter. I believe yep. it was. It hopefully still is. Um, I really think that this film people should see. I'm going to plug yep. it because, yep. um, and it is folk horror. It totally uh, fits with the theme. Um, uh, just quickly, it's about basically this this Guatemalan general who's um, basically um, uh, on trial for having um, slaughtered indigenous people. And he basically, um, their protesters kind of surround his home and he's kind of um, contained to his home. And basically the, the there's a, a new, um, uh, what sort of uh, maid comes in and basically she's she has some resemblance to some, to a woman that he has slaughtered, um, to he administered the killing of. So anyway, so it's about this kind of entering into the home uh, that cannot be penetrated of this powerful person. It's deeply political, it's creepy, um, it's beautiful, it's slow, it's haunting. I would highly recommend this film. That, that, that kind of is yes. a, an interesting in, inversion of the typical folk horror thing. Instead of you or the hero going out, it's, it's the unknown coming in, yeah. Totally, and it's and of course with the indigeneity of it, right. it ties itself to that kind of folk coming in. So yeah, I think I, I yeah I think it's a very you're right. It's an interesting take on the genre. This very cool. Yeah, don't let the Conjuring one soil soil this one or sully this. One. <laughs> what what is this one called again? Just La Llorona, right? La Llorona. Yeah, it's called La Llorona. It's spelled L L o r o n a i did not take spanish in, in high school Llorona or la rona so yeah la Llorona, um it is a, again a guatemala film it came out like i want to say within the past six months and it's oh, wow. available on shutter and the, the doc the, the the director and the producer are super awesome guys um and i can't wait to see what they come up with next sweet um i'm i'm trying to get us to our to our big midsummer and and hereditary blowout here. Uh, <laughs> Caitlin Slavin brings up the Babadook, uh, which we've talked about, uh, and then another one uh, recalls is the Sacrament, uh, a mo- fictional movie heavily based on the Jonestown yeah, massacre. Jonestown. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, she told a story about showing the movie early in dating to her husband, who did not like it. And then he says he didn't believe that this would happen. And then she's like, well, it's based on Jonestown. And he's like, what's that? <laughs> and he had not heard of it. And so oh, she had geez. to, like, explain sure. Jonestown to her. You just start with the cool raid. Explain yeah. how that, you know, became. <laughs> well, he said he knew that phrase, but ha- didn't know it was yeah. actually something. Um, James Davey, of course, the Wicker Man 73. Um, Leo S. Luna, we talked about their comment. Tokyo Slim, patron saint of easy of uh, reaction shots, um, says uh, the blood on Satan's claw, Witchfinder General, and the Wicker Man are kind of the platform on which all other Western folk horror kind of exploded. I'd say that seems pretty accurate. I think yeah. all three of those movies are fantastic in their own way, but moving forward there from there, Ravenous with Guy Pearce and Robert Carlyle, I think that. counts. I love that movie. He says yeah. I've never seen it. Uh, yeah, one of his favorites. What is this one? What's what is Ravenous? I, it's a film from the late 90s. I remember not getting great reviews mm. at the time, but I thought the trailer was really scary. I didn't go to see it as a kid, but it stuck with me. So mm. I'm just reacting to, yeah, I need to see that. Yeah, I got to <laughs> see it. Uh, he also brings up Kill List and A Field in England and uh, Picnic at Hanging Rock, our first mention of that, which I have not yet seen, but uh, that's Peter Weir, right? Yeah, that that movie's so subtle that it's hard for me to imagine placing it in the horror category. Apart from the fact that 
so, some girls go missing from the school, which is horrific. If it was somebody you knew and they just went missing, of course that would feel horrible. But in the movie is so delicately told and very sedate and has like li- ni- nice calming sunsets on the Australian countryside that it doesn't feel scary at any point. Oh, okay. um, I've heard it mentioned because it has sort of that vibe of a community sort yeah. of um, their lives unraveling. And I'm, I'm trying to think of like a nice PC way to say when everybody loses their minds collectively. <laughs> I don't mass know. hysteria. I mean, mass hysteria. Mass hysteria. Hysteria has like its own trouble. Well, hysteria. that's true. <laughs> but we know what we're talking about. When, yeah. when, what's happening with our country now? Yeah. Yes. A small yeah. community. <laughs> everybody loses their mind and does the like... The end times. Yeah. yeah. So Picnic at Hanging Rock has a little bit of syndrome. that. syndrome. Just slightly in this uh, girls' dormitory school. It's it's a good movie. It's really um, graceful. It's a graceful movie. Uh, I like it. Peter Ware. Where? Hey, Ian, is anyone saying the remake of Wicker Man at all, or is that no one? Uh, no one brought it up, literally at all. I, I expected <laughs> like someone else brought up Color Out of Space as the Nicolas Cage into folk horror link, and did not bring. No one brought up new Wicker Man. <laughs> no need. Um, no need to. I was just wondering. I was just curious. Man. I I love. <laughs> New Wicker Man just for the like ten minute supercut of all the nutcase yeah. shit that happens on YouTube. Yeah. That yeah. movie is directed by Neil LeBute. Oh what a batshit nutcase person. Yeah. With a bizarre career trajectory. Maybe I need to rewatch In the Company of Men and reread a couple of his early plays that I thought I liked in theater school back in college. No sense. No, it makes no sense. Why? Who gave him that budget? Who gave him the green light it just it it literally does not track it is not a movie at all in the the Labute universe i think it was some kind i think someone was on drugs i don't yeah, know certainly <laughs> all of them and i i just hear he's not not a nice dude yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah yeah um uh tokyo slim also says that i thought this was interesting another thing to briefly note that once you move away from Occidental folklore mythology that quite a lot of a- a- Asian and African horror, horror qualifies, we Ooh. touched on it with the wailing, but there's a lot of ghost stories in Chinese and Japanese mythology. There are forest demons, witches, there are shape-changing animals and monsters, there are unspeakable rural horrors, Kuronoko, Onibaba, Kuidan, etc., are ones that I can think of right off the top of my head Those on the are Japanese so good. side. Those are great. Also, Takashi Miike did a folk horror movie. He did? Takashi Miike did a movie called The Great Yokai War. <laughs> so if you've played Yokai Watch or if you've watched Spirited Away or Miyazaki <laughs> movies, imagine Takashi Miike making a PG-13 version God. of those characters. I can't imagine four, making four a PG-13 kids, anything. Four kids, but... Obviously, with its Kashimike sensibility, um, it's it's as crazy as it sounds. It's it's a fun watch. How do you cut someone's nipples off in PG thirteen? He finds a way. He finds a way. That's the love, magic. Love of- finds a way. <laughs> in the time, in the time we've been talking, Takashimike already made a movie. Yeah, he made, he <laughs> yeah, made right probably now. two. Check your watch. He just made another one. <laughs> he found a way to make them at six times real time. Everyone just acts really hard. Uh, um, Chinese ghost story is also another good Asian folk one. Um, has anyone seen Chinese ghost story? It's got those oh. hopping vampires that are like bluish purple. They even show up in Spelunky. Those. It's sort of like a famous archetype. Oh yeah. yeah Chinese I, ghost I've story. Seen them in Spelunky actually. 
Yeah, that's a fun, fun movie. Um, it's more of the like Ghostbusters variety. You don't have to worry about getting scared. You're just going to see spooky stuff that's fun. Um, and it's got Leslie Chung, I think is how you pronounce that actor's name. He became big with Wong Kar Wai. He did Happy Together, oh, a couple yeah, yeah. of his other movies. Yeah, he started off, he kind of made his big break with Chinese Ghost Story. Yeah. Nice. Um, that sounds great. Uh, Morgan Mahala says, I feel like this might be cheating, but for me, the docu-series... Um, and documentaries re- revolving around real life cults are what scared me the most from Branch Davidians in Waco to the Charles Manson family in California. It all gets under my skin in a way like no other because of what's out there happening right now. Watching it is like a car crash where I want to look away, uh, but I'm compelled to witness and I'm transfixed. I'm mad at myself for not moving this closer to our next topic. So nobody, nobody talk about that yet. Forget that I said <laughs> that comment and then we'll think about it in a minute when we get into... Matthew's uh, curious specialty. Um, juice. All right, we've got. This is the last one before the okay. massive blowout we're going to have with Midsummer and Hereditary. Uh, juice <laughs> Mofo says there are two movies I want to shout out. First, Witchfinder General, a gothic horror combined with every man for himself, nihilism of Sergio Leone's westerns, and one of Vincent Price's best performances, underrated classic. Second, Lords of Salem. I wasn't sure at first, but now I think this is Rob Zombie's highest artistic achievement. I just don't know if he did it on purpose. The continuity of time and events and disrupt are uh, is disrupted to the point where the viewer feels unsure if they are seeing the past, present, or complete hallucination that could be fueled by either drugs or witchcraft. The feverish uncertainty are what make it great, um, and I'd love to like to see it get more credit. I haven't hmm. seen that. I haven't one. seen that one. No. He, did he he did House of a Thousand he, Corpses and all that shit? Yeah, yep. Devil's Rejects. De- I can't. Yeah. I cannot do two. Devil's Rejects. I, cannot. I like Devil's Rejects. <laughs> it's too gross. It's, it's, fine. it's fine. It's fine. At the time, it was great. You know, horror, it just made me feel, like, feel so uncomfortable ages. as a kid. Maybe I was just too young. I watched Green yeah. and I watched the beginning and end of Green Inferno for preparing for this. That movie is garbage. <laughs> Did I say that already? I Did I say that before we started shooting? I don't remember. I think before, yeah. yeah. All right. The moment we've all been waiting for. <laughs> Drum roll, please. <laughs> I, I put this last because it sort of it sort of mirrors my own feelings, actually, and we can get into it. But uh, Varun Kachwaha says, I personally don't like culty films. I do like culty films. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, but this part. They often, to me, are too predictable and more often than not uh, involves characters making obviously dumb choices and that is a turnoff for me in films. It just makes me want to stop paying attention. The characters always feel like caricatures, just too exaggerated. Like Midsummer, Aesthetically, it's a really good film, but if you watch 15 minutes of it, you kind of know where it's heading. Apostle, for me, was one of the most disappointing films I saw last year. Uh, I expected more from the director that made two of my favorite films, Raid 1 and 2. It was a film that just did not know what it wanted to be. One second, it's a romance film, then cult, then mystery, then horror. One second, the main character can just fight people, only for the next second to be taken down in seconds by anyone. It just flip-flops between so many things and loses an identity. I'm going to be disliked for this, but hereditary as well. The acting was good. I just couldn't take it seriously. I'm sorry, but I found it funnier than a lot of comedies I've seen. It's just something about watching a suburban mom jumping around the house. I just wanted to add a different dimension to the discussions. Uh, you never know. You might find a cult film that I like from this episode. Funny they mentioned that because I kind of agree with Midsummer and Hereditary. I was like, I find, well, I find, what's the guy's name? Ari Aster? Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. I find that he 
he has an Achilles heel for me at least, and maybe it's just because our brains work in similar ways. I don't know. But I think that if you, and I don't know if it's if you're a film student or what, and I've talked about this on the show before, I think, but yeah. if you know the language of film and can pay attention to his context clues, his movies are the most predictable things you've ever seen in your entire life. Because he tells you in the beginning of all his movies, or at least Hereditary and Midsummer, literally everything that's going to happen. Um, which I think sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. And whereas I think Midsummer and Hereditary are both executed incredibly well, um, that element of it didn't quite work for me in both of those movies. Also, Hereditary did have me laughing at a few points. <laughs> Crazy, dude. I didn't laugh one time. The movie's so messed up. What parts were you laughing at? <laughs> There's a part when a headless body kind of floats and then just goes like, boop, up into a treehouse, and I was like, lol. <laughs> <laughs> Mid- Midsummer, I laughed a lot at. Midsummer's a Mids- lighter film, <laughs> in a lighter in way. quotes. But yeah, 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 yeah. Midsummer was Midsummer was almost like aggressively dumb in a way that I found funny and at times enjoyable. This director, I'm not in love with Ari Aster. I kind of have like a chip on my shoulder about him, but I found Midsummer interesting enough to be worth the watch. And overall, it ended on such a good note that like I I can say I, I partially liked it. Yeah. Yeah, I think Midsummer was overhyped. Yeah. Uh, I think Hereditary is a masterpiece. It's one of my favorites ever, uh, especially recently. A lot of that obviously has to do with Tony Collette. Just yeah. the horror performance yeah. of the decade. Oh, yeah. she's no amazing. Question. She got robbed. Um, yeah, just carries that movie. Um, yeah, I really like it. But yeah, at Midsummer. it's funny you talk about like the endings. You like predict predicting the endings, and I, I didn't really well i mean in midsummer there's a literal tapestry early on that shows you the entire plot of the movie um (laughs) like literally and then uh just like there are obvious tells um and i mean i don't know maybe i'm just attuned to tells in stuff because i i tend to catch on to them i don't know but like there are a lot of tells in midsummer where if you're paying attention you're like hmm and maybe it's just because I like folk horror and I've seen a decent amount of it that I like my alarm bells were ringing. I'm like, this seems on purpose. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But like, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mark, I don't know. You, you go. <laughs> I mean, it depends on how you watch movies. I, I, I guess I empathize a little bit more with that. Um, I, don't, I don't know what their, their username was, but what they had to say. Um, uh, Varun Kachwaha. Uh, what was it? Varun Kachwaha. That's such a great name. It's a beautiful name. I love it. Um, I emphasize more what they said about, you know, kind of watching characters that are making stupid decisions, you know, and and, and being so frustrated by that. Yeah, um, the why you won't know, you leave syndrome. I'm not really sure. What's that? The, the why won't you leave syndrome. Yeah, the why won't you leave syndrome. And that's that's definitely like a, a test for a screenwriter, right? Or, yeah. Or really a lot of kinds of writers, right? Playwrights too. Um, how do you keep them in the room or how do you keep them in that space? I empathize a little more with that than the predictability kind of thesis. I, I'm a, you know, I believe in genre, <laughs> and I think <laughs> sure. that if you are, if you really know genre, then a lot of things are predictable, um, and that doesn't mean that there can't be a pleasure uh, from those, um, both because they're predictable, but also for other things. Um, and so I guess maybe I knew how Midsummer would end. 
um, knowing that's a it, knowing actually if you you know catch on pretty early on that's more so a breakup movie than anything right right it's about this woman kind of coming into this realization that this guy she's with is a dick yeah. and she needs to find some kind of sense of solace and community elsewhere okay well then then it comes pretty predictable right and and um, but but the ride is so. I, I loved it. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to defend Midsummer, and I'm going to defend it more than Hereditary because I think Hereditary is him throwing, um, you know, a lot in a, a, a different kind of um, cliches, horror cliches into the pot and giving it a stir and just kind of like, okay, mm-hmm. this is the dish I'm serving up. Um, so I, I have some issues with Hereditary, but Midsummer has that focus that I like and it has that folk horror focus. And I, and I love that this kind of, her- that kind of realization that this heroine comes to, and I love that it's drug-induced. And yeah. I love that, again, it, ha- it involves this kind of perverse community that has its own kind of ethical code um, that is that is very foreign and alien to a lot of people who are going to be watching it and going like, maybe I see a kind of rationale there, you know? And so anyway, so I think I think I love Midsummer, um, and I, I would defend it as, as well. well. And, and it's anchored by a, another leading lady just with a career-defining performance. Oh Florence Pugh in that is ungodly. Incredible so it. good. And the detail, I mean, like third day tries to do the kind of drug trip. You're tripping along with the mid, the, the right. and you're hallucinating. And so therefore the, the pregnancy becomes unreliable or are they, are they, uh, you know, paranoid in these moments. And what Midsummer does is actually, I think does a better job of it and does a more discreet job because even that shot of her as the, whatever the queen at the end of the table, and you see the kind of flowers on her crown pulsing. Breathing, in, yeah. That's no longer her POV. That's no longer her perception. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> nice. the flower. For yeah, listeners, yeah, Matthew has put on a wreath of flowers. flowers. <laughs> thank you for bringing your crown of flowers. I'm just going to wear this for the rest of the show now. I love it. I think that shot, I'm sorry, I'm kind of rambling here, but I think that shot of, of where, you're, where you're no longer in her perception, but you're just sharing her perception away and outside of her. I love the film, the way the film brings you in. And it kind of has this kind of, it also settles in that kind of that towards the end and it's quiet in a way that horror films don't tend to do that. Yeah. Right? They tend to, you know, they tend to be the blood and the gore and the violence. This film settles into the kind of ease of this character realizing I don't want what, what was there before. I'm, I'm going to take what this community is giving me. I think it's so perverse and fascinating. I, 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 I largely agree. I, my, my flaw, my, my issues, the issues I take with Midsummer are mainly just, I wish he hadn't played to tropes as heavily as he did because I didn't think he needed yeah. to. Like mm-hmm. I didn't think I didn't think that the boyfriend needed to just be so overtly shitty from the word go. <laughs> you know, like like it, have it's a little nuance with that. Like guy. I have a little nuance. Like it 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 almost make it would have made his point even more palpably and more in a more complex way if it was a nuanced relationship and not just us saying like dump this fucker like from the word go um stuff like that where i felt and like i think it it played it pretty close to the chest with the friends bringing them there on purpose um so like that's an example of where it was subtle even though you know because like you said because of being a fan of the genre like i kind of figured that was what was happening and like with most of these, it's kind of it kind of becomes a game when you're familiar enough with yeah. folk horror to be like, okay, like sixty percent of the way through, you're like, you're not wondering like, how's this gonna go? You're wondering, okay, is this the kind of movie where the main character dies or where the main character joins up? 
I think no, yeah. I think the only time horror surprises me is when the hero lives. Right. Like every single horror movie I ever go into, <laughs> it's like, okay, they're gonna die. Protagonist is gonna die. How are they gonna die? How are we gonna get there? And I'm just along for the ride yeah. to witness their yeah. demise. Yeah. And then if they end up living, I'm like, oh, didn't see that coming. Yeah. Uh, remind me. Remind me what happens to Tony Collette at the end of Hereditary. I'm terrible for asking an ending. It it ain't good. I, I, I thought she. I thought she lives to see that her son is like the the whatever the one that's um, the king or whatever. Right? Is that correct? Treehouse. Define treehouse lives. Shot. Yeah. She, she's. A, remember, I mentioned a treehouse before. Yeah. yeah what yeah. We're we're spoiling the no, shit out of her. We can talk about this. Well, I'll tell you later. <laughs> We've already house. basically spoiled it, but I know I just couldn't remember, and that's a problem that I couldn't remember. Well, it's an Ari Aster film, so luckily you can just watch the first fifteen minutes, and you'll remember the entire <laughs> damn movie. Has uh, anyone seen Has anyone seen the shorts? Ari Aster shorts. Mm-mm. I I haven't either, and I I, I actually wanted to program that uh, with Wayward uh, oh. as a part of Wayward Cinema for this month, but of course, you know. Um, and maybe, hey, maybe I'll do a drive-in cinema, like a grill-style drive-in. Somewhere. I've been hearing that those awesome. pop-up yeah, drive-ins I, are happening. Yeah, I can. I might be able to figure it out. But um, I've been curious about those, just because I hear they're really twisted, and maybe with a short, you know, he can take more risks and not be so genre kind of element of genre in a way that makes it predictable. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I, would, I was just wondering if you guys had seen those. I'd be interested. Yeah. 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 Uh, Matthew, what's, that, you look uh, like you what's the Guillermo del Toro short? Oh, know. what is that one? What's it called? It's like geometry, geometra. Mm, I don't know. It's like this freaking demon possession one. I don't know. He's a, he like <laughs> I haven't summons seen a, any of them. He like summons a demon to help him with school. <laughs> it's like Guillermo early days, like before before Kronos, before it all. I, I like horror, like when these horror directors start out with short films, it's cool. Maybe yeah. I couldn't I look like it up because I forgot how to spell Guillermo. <laughs> I think James Wan too, right? He did Saw. Well, and who's the, what's the movie? The, the Saw short? What's that short film that you always told me to watch that I keep forgetting to watch? The Fall? Oh my God, The Fall with from... Uh, What's his name? I don't remember. <laughs> You're the one who has to tell me everybody. Is this before the lighthouse that you saw? Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. One of the most intense theater moments of my entire life. Before the lighthouse, they showed Jonathan, Jonathan Glazer. Glazer, dude. Oh. Jonathan freaking Glazer. Oh, he's a good like a music video director too, right? He does a lot of yes. great music videos. Yeah. He's only done a few movies. Holy Under the shit, Skin, dude. Sexy Under Beast, skin Birth, and Birth. Earth yes. is genius. He yeah. is such a good director. He's t- only done so few movies. The guy needs to make more movies. Get on it, Jonathan Glazer. Yeah. Uh, the Fall was, yeah, it just played before the lighthouse. Nobody knew what the hell was happening. I think it was on movie too. So it's it's available online, I'm sure, still. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, now I'm, now <laughs> I'm trying to remember this short film starring Terrence Stamp. Where, where he's playing like a famous actor and he gets decapitated. <laughs> Is it like Damn It Donnie or something yeah. like that? To- Toby Damn Toby It. Damn that's, it. A F- that's a Fellini short film. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. 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 You're, yeah, Toby Damn It. Seek that one out. It's dope. Doesn't he see Dude, like the shorts. devil in that? There's like a, I, I think so, yeah. There's like a girl that's the devil. 
Um, oh, it was a, it was a three segment. Okay, sorry, I'm Spirits of the Dead. Yeah, it was from Edgar Allan Poe's short stories. It was uh, oh, American Independent um, International Pictures. Okay, yeah, anthology film. Cool, that sounds great. Yeah, Toby Dammit is one of them, and it's so good. I think it was Terrence Stamp. Um, well, he was a bunch of Italian films. Right? Anyway, we're going off. We're track. way off the, the beaten path. Anyways, Jonathan Glazer, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Glazer. Yeah. Anyway, Midsummer Birth is great. Birth is a good film too. Like it kind of it doesn't really have a horror aspect, but it has a horror vibe too. Or it doesn't have like mm-hmm. a kind of doesn't have the gore and all that, but it, it does have a it's unsettling. And for I think it's sure. a good film for someone who's like, I don't like horror. Okay, well I'm gonna show you the birth or show you birth because it's like <laughs> not horror, but it's definitely uneasy, you know. Yeah. Does Antichrist count? Oh as folk yeah, horror? I think, I think folk horror, yeah. Yeah. It's it's less of a community thing, but it's like out in the wilderness uh and she's researching the history, right? Isn't yeah, kind of on which like winch hunts yeah thing. hatred of women or something like that yeah, gynophobia yeah gynophobia yeah 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 the uh, sirens are arresting Lars von Trier right now yep <laughs> <laughs> he did he did, said something bad again he did something something <laughs> terrible yeah. um, I couldn't finish Antichrist it, that was, we talked about my boundaries before it, halfway point I, I hit the ripcord I was like that's it I can't do I can't do it anymore I'm out genitals being smashed by a log and still Ooh. Completing uh, is where the that's line. A, yeah, pretty. Line. I could not. I could not handle is, it. Is a very gruesome I it, film. When I so I saw it at the New York Film Festival the year that it came out, and um, and when I was living in New York, and someone had a seizure Ugh. after after the the clit castration sequence, the female castration sequence, and um, yeah, the lights came on, and we were all like, "What's going on?" And we all were like, "Did someone have a heart attack?" But someone, yeah, someone had a seizure. Oh my god! It was one, it was one of those moments, right? Like really cinematic. We're all unforgettable and experiencing. Now I'm really glad I stopped watching it after hearing that. <laughs> I mean, that, that could have been me next. <laughs> I would say Melancholia is probably a much more watchable movie that kind of says the same thing. Uh, uh, all his movies kind of say the same thing. Um, I like Melancholia, though. I mean, the dude's a dick, but I like Melancholia. Also, just, like, the colors of Antichrist and Melancholia are just, like, unmatched. And Dogville. Sorry, we're not doing... We're not doing it. Um, I I do like some of his films, even I agree, that his his gender politics and also his stupid, like, anti-American... He's he's just generally a tool. Yeah, he's just a dick. Um, One movie that was not brought up, but that my girlfriend, who is Norwegian, showed me, which I (laughs) loved is called Troll Hunter. Yes. And that movie dude. fucking rules. No. So good. <laughs> so sick. Um, so good. I forgot about this I'd movie. I'd say it definitely yeah. counts yeah. in a yes. different kind of way. It's found footage movie. Uh, this documentary. They make it at some point. They don't need to, man. It's perfect. Yeah. It? Yeah. The documentary crew following a guy who yeah. is a troll hunter for the government. <laughs> and it's like kind of funny, kind of touching. It's really so good. good. It reminded me of a movie that nobody has ever heard of but me for some reason. Um, although I'd be, I would be surprised if maybe two, one or two of you haven't heard of it. Um, Incident at Loch Ness. Um, none of you have heard of this. A, is that like like a documentary like it's, Blair Witch? It's right? a mockumentary. It's a mockumentary nice. making of behind the scenes movie of a fake documentary that Werner Herzog was going to make about the oh Loch Ness God. monster. But his producer wanted to spice things up and puts like a robotic Loch Ness monster in the water. And Werner Herzog is in it as himself. 
and he's just like this is not what i want to do or whatever (laughs) (laughs) uh but you know it goes places and it's phenomenal um huber and i actually as part of patron party on wednesday the uh, 21st at 7 p.m pst ish are going to be doing a film club live commentary uh watch along on discord um and I wonder if Incident at Loch Ness would maybe be a that good, a good movie. That sounds pretty fun. Dude. I have no idea if I could find it, <laughs> if I could get my hands on it to even present it. That um, sounds like a good time. But yeah, yeah, if you are a patron in the $7 and up tier, you are <laughs> you are in for our watch-along commentary. Uh, I'll, I'll be doing a post about it uh, probably tomorrow or soon. Um, and we should probably figure out if it should just be like, a few people talking or if everybody can talk it might be a shit show i don't know no (laughs) mark says just a few people should talk (laughs) Um, i'm already uncomfortable talking during a movie so oh yeah Yeah. true well that's the yeah it'll be like a live commentary um that we can never show like mystery science and that we can never replay anywhere because it's legally uh specious (laughs) um (laughs) In fact, forget you heard anything about that. Uh, anyway, uh, the Midsummer discussion uh, and cults in general uh, leads us to our next segment, which the patrons didn't know about. Um, but Matthew, I think we've mentioned this briefly here and there. We have. It's coming back to me now. It's, yep. it's coming back. But you once told me that you were researching for a project based on cults. And your methodology was very fascinating to me. You want to tell us about this? Yeah. So I I was working on a book on cults about this. This is now a while back, a decade back, yeah. a, a, almost in a different lifetime. Um, I felt like your writer who uh, wrote in that said that they thought a lot of cult movies were stereotypical or flat. Um, I actually it think there's been a lot voice. of good. There's been a lot of good ones recently, and with the documentaries that you brought up, things have gotten a lot better. But a decade ago, I was really disappointed because I'm like cults are fascinating and movies aren't showing it i'm gonna write a fictional book that tells a real story of a cult what makes these people interesting and why they would get so fascinated in a bizarre theology to stick around under these weird circumstances so i joined a bunch of cults and it's very it's very easy to do it's very easy to join cults they're looking for members always so you just kind of like go to the airport or you can call some up on the phone and God, you could now. Well, the book was going to be about a microcosm of cults and how that reflected national ideologies, which now our country has kind of run away with. But uh, I got in a little over my head with the cults. I I was in touch with some not so great groups and people. It got got a little scary, including uh, Midsummer felt very accurate to me. Midsummer (laughs) felt like something I myself had almost gone through. There was, um, I I don't want to name some of these groups because there are nice people within the cults and i don't want to bring them unpleasant attention um but there was a a cult uh, north of san francisco that i went up to uh i took a train ride up there a train ride and a bus ride and it was a weekend long retreat i'd always want to do a weekend long retreat i was scared i was kind of cult shopping like which cult is going to be safe enough where i can go to a retreat in the mountains because like cults love to do that 
yeah cults love to have like little cabin retreats like where they're secluded it's a it's a deal but like a lot of them i'd get scared off like they'd tell me about the retreat and then they'd say something creepy like we're gonna cover you in honey and have ants eat it off and i'm like oh nope 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 i'm out sorry (laughs) can't do that so i finally found one that felt safe enough to attend to me and this was um they they were up in the mountains and there was going to be like 70 people there i went up there they the the disguise that they used because they didn't want to get found out what they were doing is they were having a Brazilian folk music concert. So went up into the mountains, kind of like out past this goat ranch and there were signs like this way for the Brazilian folk music concert. You get there, there's 70 people all in white robes. I, they asked me to dress completely in white. So it was definitely the, like the full cult experience. And they uh, dosed us with uh, intense doses of psychedelic drugs that they'd made up themselves, like a lot, like Herculean amounts. Uh, they told everybody that there's going to be so intense. They told everybody there's going to be a voice in your head saying, don't take more of these drugs, but you need to ignore that voice and take more of these drugs so so <laughs> so they're like ignore the voice in your head that's screaming for safety they were um and they were a little bullying about it you definitely felt like you might be in trouble if you didn't keep going back up to get more doses and then they uh played children's songs on repeat while we were all tripping out on these drugs like row 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 your boat twinkle twinkle little star yeah um at one point most of the people had passed out i was having a not so pleasant experience i was not enjoying it similar to some of the things you might have seen in some of these folk horror movies i was having my own internal freak out everybody in the room is crying some people are like weeping and screaming and uh some of the you know they start passing out Oh, I'm getting a little bit of was it, echo. Was it like ayahuasca? What did they give you? Acid? So I think I, I think I think it was ayahuasca, like early ayahuasca. Like before, I had I hadn't even heard of it. So when I was trying to research back then about it, there wasn't a lot. It was still like in Peru back then, so it wasn't big in America. But I also don't okay. think this was a particularly well-made batch of it. <laughs> Everybody was just having a horrible experience. But people passed out and then they put on a song. I just pretended to pass out, but I was still awake. I was too afraid to pass out. They put on a song while everybody was asleep that said, I am happy. I am good. I am happy. I am good over and over on repeat for like 30 minutes. In the morning when everyone woke up, everyone was like giving each other hugs and like, wow, that was a crazy experience. How was it? And they were like, I'm happy. I'm good. <laughs> they would say it like in a chant like way. Um, but it was, it was intense. It did a number on my mind in a way that maybe isn't uh, podcast safe. It took a little bit to recover from. Uh, it was very intense. It was almost like a Philip K. Dick story where you get a little lost in levels of reality. You know, I would I would like live a couple lifetimes and then like snap back and still be in the cult. And I was like, wait. 70 years just happened now i'm still back here it kept happening over and over and over oh again God. right the cult would end i'd go back to regular life i'd live my life for years and then boom it'd be over and i'd be back in the cult i was like what was that so like inner <laughs> light start yeah very very intense i do not recommend um kids and adults do not go to a cult even if you're doing it under research and imbibe the substances that they offer you i mean i literally drank the kool-aid is what happened and um there's there's more i could say but i won't but it's as intense as a lot of the things we've seen (laughs) in these movies what was their goal 
you know like, there what, are, what were they trying to good question have you say or feel they were getting a lot of money out of people for these retreats uh. And they were getting them into a vulnerable place where they felt like they needed to return to do more in order to work on their spiritual warfare. We were leaving our bodies and going to a spiritual plane to like fix the universe, essentially. So wowzer, yeah, that about sums it up. And then so I stopped researching cults, and I didn't I didn't finish the book (laughs) after that. I was like, I saw what I needed to see. The box open. I'm gonna close that box for a very long time. And uh, you know, I'm gonna revisit it sometime. I hope sometime. We, I hope when for enough my distance sake has that, happened, yeah, that you do th- finish this project the book, will happen. Yeah. We've talked about Sound of My Voice on here, right? Sound of My Voice that was great. That came out yeah. after I had done this, and I I thought that was really well premise. done. I thought it was really well done. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. and I was like, I could show people. I was like, that was close to my experience. Sure. Like, I, just a dumb research. I was cocky. I was like, they're not gonna get me. I'm right. I'm, I'm a cowboy. They can't fool this cowboy. They can't get in my head. <laughs> well, is, that, is that a memoir or is that a book on someone's cult experience? What is the, the sound of my voice? It's a yeah. it's a movie, movie. It's about a movie. investigators oh, researching a cult. It's a yeah. Brit Marling uh, movie. I adore that movie. Yeah. And they did uh, the fall. No, the the one with Ellen Page was after that. The East Flatliners. <laughs> No, the East. It was also is same director. Oh yeah, yeah. I never saw that one. Type thing, and then uh, the OA. The OA was recent. Oh, the OA. Yeah. I watched the first part of the OA. I didn't watch the rest. I watched most of Another Earth, and then I kind of didn't finish Mm -hmm. it. But I like Britt Marling a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Another one that I recently saw that I kind of I mentioned it before, but um, the Endless which is on Netflix. It, it, it fits kind of folk horror, sci-fi horror, cult, all of that. Mm. Pretty interesting movie. Small budget, cool premise. Um, but anyway, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, Matthew, Matthew good lord. You, you know, you asked me in the past, and we were like talking about romantic comedies or something. I'm like, you know, this mm-hmm. isn't the moment to yeah. jump into it. But well, this because episode, it seems very fitting. It's one of I'm my favorite. Yeah, oh, I'm... <laughs> God. Every time you tell me that story, I hear more details, and I'm just like, "Oh my yeah. god, I'm so happy you're still alive." Off, off channel, that is now one of the milder stories of my life. We have so many stories to get into over the course of our friendship. You are, <laughs> you are definitely a uh, a rip roaring young man. Oh boy, <laughs> I remember we, we bumped into each other at at that uh, Grimes concert that I was accidentally at. Oh. Uh, and that was that was fun. Oh, we went for Christine and the Queens. I went for Christine yes. and the Queens. Yeah, yes, Christine and the Queens. Because that great. was before she was headlining. Uh, they, I think, were headlining. They had all those dancers. Yeah. Oh God, Christine and the Queens. Look into it. Amazing. Love them. They're amazing. Um, tilted. Great video. Yeah. Um, all right, we are almost at two hours. I. <laughs> I I told uh, you, <laughs> this always happens. I aim for an hour and a half. And we just keep on trucking because I'm having a blast. Um, it was a barn burner. We we had something had to burn. Yeah, it was um, a barn burner of an episode. So, but before we move on, I'm gonna rocket speed a few questions. But before we move on, I I want to ask you all: What do you think your favorite folk horror films, film or films, are personally? Um, Mark, you got one loaded, or somebody else? Yeah, can I mean, I would say the original Wicker Man for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, it really sets the standard. And um, God, I, I, I talk, you guys were talking earlier about like, you know, 
comedy versus like scary ratio i guess in horror films and to me like the wicker man has this like really it's it's so campy and it, like it's like beautiful. when the innkeeper's daughter is like naked and like singing to him against the wall like i can't i love that and i laugh and i'm also like creeped out and so anyway so that film i think has it kind of has it all um and then you know that that kind of last whatever it is couple few scenes of the film where they're all walking you know through um you know whatever the lands with their with their masks on and stuff i just i'm like can i join like you know where where sign me up like i just love the looks of look of that film and i like the um the vibe of it i i would agree that that one's definitely one of my favorites um, I definitely think the white ribbon Das Weiße Band um, is up there for me um, and I'm I'm loving the third day so far I'm really enjoying it. Uh, it, it it's not perfect it has some tonal fluctuations and some quality fluctuations but by and large I'm just kind of enjoying yeah maybe it's just because I'm super in like a fall mood and it's just scratching that itch and like in episode four, a character literally asks, why didn't we leave? <laughs> and, but, and then the show s- tells you why. Yeah. And it's like, oh, sick. Like, well, in the way it engages with race, right? In that yeah. second chapter. Oh, my God. And kind of at the helm of, I think it's, I think it's very interesting. Yeah. And then, of course, the twist will say at the end. No of spoilers. Episode, yeah, yeah. No spoilers. You know, I think, I think it could go into a really interesting place. But I think the, the show has, some, some, has made some serious blunders. But we'll talk about that offline. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm giving it probably a pass. That in the future, if I watch it again, uh, although we did watch rewatch a few scenes in the first episode, and it foreshadows some stuff pretty in pretty cool ways that I actually oh, yeah. didn't catch the when I first watched it. So, uh, Huber, what what's your favorite folk horror? Uh, the newer ones. It's got to be like The Wailing, The Witch, The Witch, dude, Hereditary. Yeah. Like those three. Yeah. I feel like we're just in this new golden age of horror the last like five or six years it's just mm-hmm. i love the way horror has gone um yeah. and just yeah those movies just like made me fall in love with the genre all over again uh i would shout out house as well if if that counts <laughs> i think it kind of does uh matthew what about you I really like this Italian movie called All the Colors of the Dark. It's got a great name, and it's got a great poster. It's early 70s, right in this period of folk horror. It's pre-Suspiria, but it's part of that Italian horror giallo genre. Pseudo-giallo. Yeah, it's by a a director called Sergio Martino, uh, Mm. and it has a soundtrack by Bruno Nicolai, who is one of the best Italian composers, which is saying a lot. One of the best Italian film composers. And it's uh, like pre-Suspiria, a woman gets in a car crash, kind of like Babadook, and she's a little confused. And then a satanic coven welcomes her in, in the countryside. And they promise her they'll help her get get herself together. And then it's very um, hallucinatory, psychosexual madness. Very fun. Very Italian of the <laughs> 70s. Highly recommend it. The colors are beautiful. Those um, horror directors just have a way of you making a color palette come alive. So if you're in the mood for something bright and like a psychedelic dream coat of a movie, that's it. Mm-hmm. And then um, I really like Valerie and her week of wonders. Oh that's yeah. From the oh, Czech- yeah. That one to me. That's from the that's Czech a- new wave. Um, it's by a really talented lady named Esther Krumbakova. She was the she wrote the script for it. She was also the production designer for the movie Daisies. If anybody's seen Daisies, Daisies are really punk rock women in the Czech New Wave movie. Recommend both of these, but Valerie and her Week of Wonders. 
is like a surrealist Slavic folklore vampire coming of age story. It's a little creepy. It's a little unsettling. I can't wholeheartedly endorse it because after looking into it a little bit, they didn't really treat their actors or child actors on set kind of properly the way we should now. We have proper regulations about a lot of those things. So it's a problematic fave, but it's also a beautiful movie. Really interesting. If you love surrealism, it's a great folk horror movie. There's burning at the stake. That always has to happen in a folk <laughs> horror movie. And then the last one I want to recommend is uh, Love Witch. Uh, Love Witch is a recent oh, yeah. movie by Anna Biller. Um, Love Witch is a confounding movie. I can't tell if this movie is The Room or if it's like Tarantino. It's like a completely bizarre pastiche of 70s folk horror tropes. And it feels like a really budget horror movie in the way the acting's very stilted. In a way that feels yeah. funny, like it's winking at you. But sometimes I can't tell if it's winking at you. So it's got that fun, campy territory where you're like, oh, there's something very sincere about this movie that makes it endearing. It's a witch who is a serial killer who gets men to fall in love with her and kind of cry themselves to death. <laughs> um, and it's it's very funny. It's got a lot on its mind. It's very weird. I, and it has some cool folklore medieval elements in it, too. I've heard of the Love Witch uh, and, and local theaters and stuff would, would run it a lot. And I've always I've always... Wait. In my mind, it's always been kind of on like a black dynamite kind of level where it's like it knows what it's doing, but may I haven't seen yeah, it, so I don't not. know. The more I watch it, the more I think it's not doing what we think it is. I don't think it's <laughs> setting out to be a parody, which makes it all the more interesting. It's so goofy <laughs> and bizarre and good. Nice. In its own special way. Yeah, Man, so th- I those watch are my all, favorites. I want to watch all three of those. Uh, yeah, those Yay. Are those on? I want to watch. Or uh, Valerie is Valerie on Criterion? Valerie's channel? Criterion, yes. Yeah, so okay. That should be on the channel. Yeah, all the colors of the dark. Yeah, go ahead. All the colors of the dark is on Shutter. Okay. And then what was the other one? Love Witch. Love Witch. That's on Love Amazon, Witch. I think. That should be a lot of places. Yeah, That's I a think it's movie. around. In the last yeah. couple of years, yeah. Mark, you were about to ask. I'm I'm Valerie curious. Um, is it does it have somewhat of a linear narrative? Not at all. To- not at all. all. It's very, it's very dreamlike. Uh, it came from a surrealist novel that kind of built on Slavic folklore. Yeah. The movie (laughs) made it even more surreal. It feels like it makes sense, but it doesn't, if that makes sense. It's kind of like, yeah, it's held warmly. Like you're watching something that should make sense, but nothing follows logically from the left. Yeah. That sounds awesome. I I love it's been on my list for years. So thank you. Yeah, I'd love to hear what you think. Yeah, update us. We'll do a we'll do an update <laughs> <laughs> next um, year for all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll do a Valerie and her Week of Wonders special. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, we are running low on time, so I'll just bypass the next few questions. But I asked the patrons, "What's scary about folk horror? If it's the best example of mm. daytime horror? Uh, if these sometimes are Ooh. cozy?" And if uh, what children's movies of our past, beloved children's movies, weirdly fit the folk horror genre, the examples I gave were like Hocus Pocus, The Witches, Ernest Scared Stupid. Um, a few other people brought up Indiana Jones, The Temple of Doom. Uh, uh, Ichabod and Mr. Toad, I thought was a good one. Happy Gaming brought up that one. Ryan Ponder says Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Don't at oh, me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, the best Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, 
Let's see here. Choo choo choo. I'm just trying to see what the next. I'm not gonna. Yeah, I can't think of anything from my childhood. So maybe another question from, or unless people have other. Um, I will agree. They're cozy. They're cozy. Yeah. Yeah. I went on a marathon, (laughs) and I've I've haven't been this happy in the past couple months because the past couple months have happened. But (laughs) going on a folk horror little mini marathon, yeah, put me in a nice fall mood. Even though there was horrible things happening, there's also singing and dancing and friendship. They're 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 good movies. Landscape shots. Oh yeah. Yeah. OG Wicker Man feels nice at parts like <laughs> and, and pretty unsettling in other parts but um i like what you said you called it daytime horror i love that yeah That's genius i I, yeah. I've, I like i think i heard that phrase mostly in reference to midsummer but i think it definitely yeah, makes, per- makes perfect yeah. sense um yeah. re the daytime horror uh let's see colt smith um or never mind I thought they brought up another example, but uh, nobody wrote that down. Okay, never mind. Uh, I'm a little bummed that we're we ran out of time because Morgan Mahala trolled trolled you, Huber, in such a wonderful way. Um, they gave us they gave us they gave us a, a section of a script to enact to do a table read uh, to to try to entice you. Uh, to do a certain thing that I've been trying to get you to do oh for gosh. years. Um, I'll read a, a f- frick it. I'll read a, I'll read an excerpt here. If you, if you'll indulge me. Um, all right. So John has spent the entire day losing, f- uh, fights being extorted and carrying a grown man around in a backpack. He was supposed to be preparing for a presentation related to his cover job at an industrial piping firm, but has not had a moment to rest. He is visibly wounded and exhausted. And he de- walks in to deliver a speech mere seconds before being announced to come on stage. Leslie Claret, his boss says, and now to explain the core of Donnelly nut plate spacing and cracked reconfiguration, my associate, John Lakeman, and he, John limps onto the podium to light applause. John Lakeman says, hey, guys, hey, ready to talk plate processing and residue transport plate, fu- plate funneling? Why don't we start with joust jams? Hey, why not? Plates and jousts. Can we couple them? Hell yeah, we can. Want to know how? Get this. Proprietary to McMillan. Only us. Ready? We fit Donnelly nut spacing grip grids and splay flexed brace columns against beam fastened Derek husk nuts and girdle plate jerrys while plate flex tandems press task apparatus of 10 verti pin plated pant traps at every maiden clan plate packet. Knuckle couplers plate alternating sprams from the T nut to SKN to the chim line. And then a stunned European man in the audience goes, Whoa. <laughs> Patriot I'm is so lost. Patriot is a good show. <laughs> That's a legit monologue. Patriot is an amazing show that with a horrible like, title. Feels like Mamet like wrote it. Yeah, dude, it it is, dude. It's like it's like if Mamet, so the Coen good. Brothers, and like yes. Wes Anderson got together to make a spy drama set in like Luxembourg and like Michigan, uh, is Patriot. And it's Man, a beautiful I, television. And when I throw Tarantino, I would throw Tarantino. In. I like. Tarantino. I saw one episode. I really liked it. Have you seen it, Mark? Yet. Have you watched Patriot? No. Oh no! I'm just going off this monologue. This is insane. Patriot is a is a TV show on Amazon. 
and yeah, it's magnificent. <laughs> Terrible title makes nobody want to watch it. Um, no, yeah. Also, Fleabag is perfect. Uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and I would like to contact Ty Cobb. Uh, all right. So to end every episode, here we go. We're at, we've we've made it. We're at the yeah. end. Thank you all for okay. for being here. This has been a hoot. Um, we have the quote challenge by Tokyo Slim. Patriots uh, hit reaction shots. Patriots hit reaction shots. Uh, Tokyo Slim. <laughs> so uh, they furnish us. He furnishes us with quotes, and we try to guess what they're from. And then next month, he tells us if we were right. Uh, Shit. One. <laughs> what, yeah. Who knows? I, I didn't read these, so I don't know. One. What religion can they possibly be learning jumping over bonfires? Midsummer. Is it Midsummer? It sounds really familiar. Well, let's go with Midsummer. Maybe. I don't know. I'll back you up. That sounds about right. But there's yeah, bonfires in all these movies. There's bonfires yeah. in every Could be the Wicker Man. Like, yeah, might, I think it might so be bad. Be a Nick Cage it might be bad Wicker Man, new Wicker yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this one, we'll all get this one. Wouldst thou like to taste of butter and pretty dress? Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? The witch. That's the witch. Uh, yeah. Oh, nope. I know what this one's from. This is murder. Murder. You'll all be guilty, and you're doing it for nothing. That's the Wicker Man. That's Wicker Man. Uh, what did you get the medal for? Cowardice? Or no, what did you get the medal for? Cowardice. There's a period after cowardice. I don't know what this is from. Sounds familiar. That almost sounds like a Wicker, Wicker Man remake, but I'm, I may be pushing it. I don't know. I don't know. Let's go with it. Um, <laughs> oh my God, this sounds familiar too. I spy with my little eye something that starts with C. Corn. Children of the, Children of the corn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we talk about Children of the Corn. That's totally folk horror. That would too. probably count. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of yeah, Stephen King stuff kind of would. Yeah, yeah, totally. Dr. Sleep, Borderline. With Dude, group. I liked that movie. Yeah, I did too. And then I found out that there was a director's cut on HBO that we didn't watch because it's buried under the real version, the regular theatrical version, hmm. and I'm pissed. <laughs> Sometimes the regular version's better. I think the director's cut would have been all right, too. I don't know. I liked oh, it. Oh, yeah, it's such a case to case. I was ready to live all in that movie. It's got Ridley, good Scott, Ridley Scott famously said, Ian, I know you love Ridley Scott. Famous, Sometimes he famously goes. I like, I like old, young Ridley yeah. Scott, not old, new Ridley Scott. <laughs> uh, he said the theatrical cut is the director's cut. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Unhinged. Uh, thank you all so so much. Uh, this was I loved this. Uh, Mark, mm-hmm. yeah, first time on the show. Hopefully not the last. I had a, a real mm-hmm. blast. It's good to see you too. Love to come back. I'd love yeah, to have. It's you. So nice to meet you, Mark. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, great meeting you guys. If it's you host a drive-in, let me know. We'll Swing all be there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Seriously. Are you in LA? Yeah, I'm in Los Angeles. Yeah, Indiana. let's go for it then. We gotta have us a, a drive-in. Yeah. Once. We guarantee spectators. Awesome. <laughs> Once the world is done ending, though, and Wayward Cinema kicks off again. Uh, I'll definitely let Huber and Matthew know, and we'll we'll show up in droves. I've seen a lot of crazy good movies at Wayward Cinema stuff. It's, yeah. it's good stuff. Matthew, you can only come if you're going to wear that crown. <laughs> okay, that's my uh, wristband. Yeah, that's my wristband again. Yeah, <laughs> no problem. I'm never taking this off now. It, I tried. It won't come off. Yeah, it's weird. 
<laughs> I can see it breathing. Ever, Is that weird? <laughs> the only movie I ever saw to drive in was Desperado. Oh, nice. Ooh. That's a good drive-in movie. I saw Blue Velvet a couple days ago at the drive-in. I saw that Instagram. That was intense. That's a weird movie to watch at a drive-in communally, actually. <laughs> I'm going to try to go see Tenet maybe on Sunday at a drive-in. I don't know. I heard it's not very good. It's fun. It's fun. The drive-in's so great. Uh, yeah, I've, I've never done one. barely do anything these days. I've never done one. It feels like, one. oh, Los Angeles still yeah. exists. We're still a city halfway. It's <laughs> yeah, nice. That'll, that'll be a weird feeling to remember that because I certainly don't remember that. All right, patreon.com slash easy allies. If you're in the $7 and up tier, you are in the film club. You get to submit for this. You get to see Huber and Mai's slowly expanding favorite film lists. Um, I think the most recent addition for me was probably Portrait of a Lady on Fire, mm-hmm. um, which I know you didn't love, Mark, and I really loved it. No, I loved it. Not, not my favorite. <laughs> we have some differences maybe that would explain that. <laughs> Um, we come together in Wicker Man, and that's what matters. Yeah, for this that's show. what matters for this. Um, but anyway, that's our favorite films lists uh, and a few commentaries. And then, yeah, a part of Patron Party, which we're doing at the end of this month from the 19th to the 24th, culminating in an all day, eight hour uh, Twitch marathon. But uh, Wednesday night of that week, Huber and I are going to do a live commentary track with people in the $7 and up tier. It's going to be a a hoot and holler. Mm -hmm. Check that out in a couple weeks. Um, Again, thank you to Matthew. We're going to do Desperado, Ian. (laughs) We'll have to. Maybe we should have a vote, probably. We should have people vote. Uh, All right. Anyway, enough ending. Bye. (laughs) Everyone. Happy Halloween. Oh, yeah. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Spooky season.